Greetings and thanks again for joining us whenever you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this. It's the Metal Blast podcast. Whoa, do that again. <laughs> Something like weird. Metal Blast. Yeah, I was like, wait, where'd that extra consonant come from? Okay. We can't have the blessed in there. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a different one for face down artists. Man, that's gotta be your own shit, man. I ain't in it. <laughs> <laughs> And now your hosts, David Delo Lopez and Jason Smith. This is the Metalist. All right, three, two. Greetings and thanks again for joining us whenever you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this. It's the Metalist Podcast. I'm Dave. I'm Jason. And today we're going to talk about, I'm going to say a band who has works, works that are near and dear to our heart. I I can't speak for the whole discography. This'll, this'll be a a slight interesting one as far as that goes. Uh, Did you you, like, did you do any like Wikipedia-ing at all? Yeah. And it's just like their discography. There's just so much and a lot of it's just not worth going through, you know? I I haven't really, I mean, full disclosure, I, I'm going off of fucking all memory here, man. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna have to do broad strokes. I tried. It's just like, especially after 2000, it just doesn't matter anymore, I, you know? I, I know a surprisingly, I'm surprised at how much about this band that I do know. Yeah. So maybe yeah. we should tell them what, ba- what Chicago band we're talking about. Yeah. So from Chicago... We're saving harm's way for another time. So until then, we're talking about Smashing Pumpkins. I was just going to say, also not Born of Osiris. Or Disturbed. <laughs> or um, Man, I think okay. there's one we more of the book mentioning. Disturbed one for like a month of just like shit we hate. Oh uh, man, yeah, I yeah, that'll be a whole other thing. Because <laughs> like I liked them when I was a kid. Can't do it now, but you know there there was something. Off the show. Yeah, that that might have been a that might have been an age difference thing. I, I was fourteen when that first album came out, so I was the prime demographic at the time. Speaking of prime demographics, this is going to be an interesting discussion. So let's get right into it. What was your first exposure to Smashing Pumpkins? I don't have any idea who showed them to me, man. To be completely honest with you, it wasn't MTV. Someone let me listen to it. I, I have no clue who it was. I do remember the time I. So this band always reminds me of winter and I mean like snow winter specifically one album, but a lot of that's because it was shown to me during the winter time. And I, let's see. So it was Gish. Right. And I believe it was the year it came out. Mm, Okay. Let's see. Um, I'm trying to think of when it actually fucking came out. And I mean, so 91. So this is probably 92. Hmm maybe or either that or like the winter of 91 somewhat something like that it had to have been the winter 91 because siamese dream was still a little ways off right but i heard it i mean i it just fucking blew me away dude i mean i 
blame this band for my love for anything shoegaze shit, any, you know, trippy. I mean, I wouldn't say hippie, but that's psychedelic associated with psychedelia. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's a and like the the like psychedelic alternative trippy shoegaze. I also blame this band for my massive crazy love for like all the ethereal stuff and specifically my love for Deftones. Yeah, Chino has said several times they're a huge influence on Deftones for like sure. Really, the first time I can remember. Let me look something up. Mm-hmm. I want to know if it's before this or not. It is. So, okay, so prior to this, I think probably the most shoegazy, because I'm just, I'm thinking of a specific song on the Pump Up the Volume soundtrack, Wave of Mutilation. Ooh, do, do, that's do a, you ever, have you ever heard of that song? No, that's an interesting name. <laughs> I'm trying to, is it Jesus and Mary Chain? I, it's someone like that. Oh, it's the Pixies. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. so... So on this soundtrack, I'd heard like Sonic Youth and I heard the Pixies, but I don't remember the Sonic Youth song. I definitely remember Wave of Mutilation. I think this is probably the first thing I can remember. Like, I mean, the only thing I can remember that's kind of like this, like Gish specifically, right? is Wave of Mutilation. I don't remember. I'd heard some goth stuff back in the day, but I don't think this stuff's particularly gothy. In fact, I almost want to say like a lot of shoegaze stuff is like, gothy without the goth well so (laughs) apparently they started as a straight up goth band because that's what he was doing before that billy corgan was doing before that and they just had they it was just him and eha with uh with a drum drum machine machine. i love stories like that well and and like there's hints of goth throughout the first three albums but then after that dude it's you know not every song but it's it's pretty abundant goth though you know well, okay, so if we're talking legit goth and not like, oh, Marilyn Manson's goth because he has black hair or whatever the fuck people thought in the late 90s. No, I'm I talking like that fucking shit. Bauhaus. Yeah, Bauhaus, Cure. Susie and the Banshees, Early yeah. Cure. Like, what's what what makes that not just like alternative? There's There's a specific thing going on there. I cannot quite articulate what it is yeah it's i think i mean it even kind of predates alternative or it's an earlier form of alternative right where it's but it's just it, there's other alternative stuff there that's not like that there's yeah the, there's, like some of that new wave stuff is the same thing except there's i don't i don't want to say it's a different key because I mean, yeah goth stuff's definitely minor yeah well there was like you know they're all cousins goth death rock right post-punk and new wave and new wave was like the poppy one vampires and fucking not all of it but there was definitely some subtlety to all those other bands yeah right because i've always wondered what the difference is between something like bauhaus versus something like new order or something you know yeah yeah a lot of it's the same except i guess probably new order stuff i mean it sounds happier yeah happier i would i would say this new order is the in between of goth and new wave that's that's what that whole wave is you know and i think the goth thing is like there's a melancholy sound to it absolutely yeah and the imagery that's evoked and the hairstyles you know again they're all not too (laughs) i'll bet if you talk to your average midwestern farmer ass family and put one of each of those types of people or whatever all side by side he'd say they're all the same thing I also think if you had one of those families who'd never heard any of that shit, if you played them 
some of that stuff versus the cure or I, I don't know if they'd be able to tell the difference. Yeah. Have you ever watched Luther? No. So there's an episode like, and he's just like, I fucking love Idris Elba. And he plays basically a mix of dirty Harry and Sherlock Holmes in modern London that immediately sold me on the show. So there's a killer that uh, goes and dresses people in weird clothes after he kills them. And his partner rolls up and he's all, yeah, for some reason, this guy dressed him up as goth. And he's all, it's not goth, it's post-punk. And he's like, what do you mean? And he points out all the intricacies and all that. That's, that's the difference between all that shit. Like, I, uh, if I could steer anybody, don't watch the last season. That, that was a bummer. That, I, they should have ended that shit a long time ago, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, Smashing Pumpkins is a band that had a lot of different you know, shades to them. They, and like, it really mixed a lot of different things. Yeah. And it was way more streamlined early on. And then after that. Right. So this is the first time I'd heard stuff quite like that. The, the super clean guitar with like heavy vibrato. Yeah. Like everywhere. Yeah, know? yeah. I mean, I, I, I'd never heard anything like it when I, when I heard Gish, like, and you know, when I talk about like listening cannibal corpse the first time or listening to Metallica for the first time or hearing hair metal for the first time or death gent, it's like when you hear something new for the first time and, and, and it's like, you know, one thing, what I always kind of forget about is Smashing Pumpkins because, and I think it's because the majority of their catalog I'm not really into, mm-hmm. but I do kind of forget how, how just amazed I was when I heard this band because it's 1991, grunge is, is, is full steam, or I mean, it's getting there. Like it's yeah. all those bands are starting to really fucking, you know, it's like, Pearl Jam's first album's out. You know, I mean, I think like Nevermind was out by the, uh, definitely Bleach was out by, by the time I heard this. I, I'd already heard Soundgarden. I'd already heard, but that was a more rock oriented sound. Yeah, for sure. Of something alternative, right? This was like really alternative. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was another one. I'd heard Jane's Addiction before. Yeah, I guess that's one they were compared to pretty early on. Yeah. Because so, again, it's like what fucking box do you put Jane's in early on? Right. I remember I remember reading an interview, or not an interview, it was actually just an article about Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, it was Gish, the album. And I remember the, the, the person writing the, the articles, you know, saying they were like Jane's Addiction. So, which was weird because I didn't really see a lot of it but i mean now i listen to at least the first stuff and i'm like okay i i can see where you could draw that comparison yeah that's especially like especially as far as there's nothing else to compare this to exactly other. yeah and jane's addiction mm-hmm. so it's, it's to me it's weird because timing wise i've always thought smashing pumpkins i've always just considered them a grunge band but i'm also a person that doesn't consider grunge just a specific time frame Right. I consider it an actual genre. I just think that these guys were, you know, grunges, you know, to me, it's like, well, they're, they're a grunge band, but like, cause you could put this shit in a fucking playlist with Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden. It's going to work just fine. The, the difference is, is where Pearl Jam is clearly just more on the fucking just straight up rock and roll side. And Soundgarden was a little more on the experimental noise side, smashing pumpkins earlier 
is definitely into that more alternative side. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like they're just a little bit weirder than everybody else. <laughs> you know? A lot weirder at, after a certain point. See, that's the thing is right, you right. say the, the, those, you know, smashing pumpkins have fit, went in with those bands. You're talking most of uh, 90% of the first two albums, like maybe 60 to 70% of the third album. And then after that, it's all up in the air. Like, right. And that, that, that's a trajectory we'll talk about in a, in a sec. Um, where did you first hear them? So it's awesome because I can pull up the exact date right here. So that'll be Mr. I'm fucking fancy. 11 years old because Wikipedia, because it's a very specific thing. That would be, I'm watching. So by this name, it's like, you know, Spotify and the internet in general, YouTube isn't even a thing yet. So we can't have just unlimited access at any time we want to be like, Oh, this band, I'm going to check that out. You just hear names for a long time. And they're just kind of there and you kind of make up, at least if you're me, you kind of make up what that must sound like in your head. And I hear in the name Smashing Pumpkins that conjures certain things. So I'm 11 years old. It's the, uh, they, they just went ahead and put the two last episodes of season seven of The Simpsons on them the same night to get it done in one fell swoop. The first of those two episodes was episode 24, Homer Palooza. On May 19th, 1996. <laughs> I'm guessing if you're my age or around that time, this will be your first exposure to Smashing Pumpkins too. I, I know in the past you said you're not a Simpsons guy. You've never seen Simpsons, right? No. So, it's 1996. The, the shit's about to change. Nobody knows it yet. But this is like the full swing, last hurrah days of the Lollapalooza thing, right? Or at least the beginning of the end, maybe. And this is like alternative height, not even just grunge, but alternative as a whole. So there's fucking, what do they call it? It's not Lollapalooza because you can't lala, call it Lollapalooza. It's like Hullabalooza or some shit like that. And it's a, it's a traveling carnival a la Lollap. Did you say you went to the old Lollapalooza? Like when it was first in full swing? Yeah, I went to Lollapalooza in 93. So I think I went to the third one. Okay. I think it so, was the third one. Yeah. Same idea. It's, it's, it's eclectic. It's, it's Perry Farrell's, somewhat brainchild from what i understand right so it's an eclectic alternative festival 90s mid early to mid 90s at least to a t and so the acts included are cypress hill sonic youth who doesn't even play a song they they just raid peter frampton's cooler peter frampton and then fucking homer has a bad crash after they crowd surf him away from the crowd it's a dated ass episode, man. It's you ever watch the Brady Bunch movie? Yes. Where the whole thing is, oh man, that seventies shit. Look how look how cool we are in the nineties, and now that nineties shit is more dated than that seventies stuff ever was. Right. It's it's kind of that to a degree on this episode, but yeah. So Cypress Hill gets done playing. Homer gets dropped on his ass after they float him around from the crowd, and then Smashing Pumpkins comes on and starts playing Zero, and I am floored immediately. And I'm just like, uh, okay. I, yeah, I guess I like this band and I'm addicted. And like, I'm, and again, I, I'm 11. I don't have I, all, all the fucking CDs I have at this point are like movie soundtracks, uh, which another episode for another day, but that's it. I don't even have a band's actual record yet. But I, I'm like, I need more of this because then after that, I hear 
bullet with butterfly wings and tonight tonight because those were huge staples still at that time in the heyday of mtv i guess by the time i would have seen that it would have been the record would have been out for less than a year right but like they got a lot of mileage out of that record in hindsight you know like they were they were the top of the top of the top for a brief moment there especially around that time huge album dude yeah man 30 million copies i think in the first yeah in the first uh i can't remember what the fuck it was but i I remember hearing the numbers on it at one point was yeah when when cds were still the main deal yeah it's over time 10 million in the u.s alone i was pretty amazed that it was it had done that well yeah it was the zeitgeist man which is funny because that's one of the names of their other albums but like it was it was everywhere enough, so's melancholy <laughs> yeah yeah for real i'm sure we'll have some more unintentional wordplay somewhere along the lines but yeah man for like a year about a year yeah a little more that was my that was my ultimate band that was like my first band that i loved as a kid that i was full in on and i really liked a lot of bands up to that point but like that was the first band i was like i need more so my elementary school promotion because it's not graduation because you're just going to another fucking school great my parents asked me what do you want and i was like i want this smashing pumpkins album and that's you know still the 90s we didn't have much to worry about back then you know what i mean like it was just like we didn't know what was going to come in the next few years so it was like that so music i was still the very much watch what your kids listen to era don't you know you're sneaking albums God forbid one has a parental advisory sticker, which doesn't mean shit anymore. And it didn't really at the time. Well, not at the time, but after that. It only really did for parents. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? For kids, it was a psych. It was a badge of honor. It was like, oh, I got the dirty one. You know, the, there's the M&M record. It may, I have to buy this. Yeah, there was the M&M record that has the clean version, the dirty version, and then the dirtier version. And that was right. like five years later, give or take. Anyways, so I got this album and it opens up all these doors for me, dude. Like that's part of where my musical journey really 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 begins in a big big way yeah man like that that shit changed my life and i remember you know it's a double album my first fucking album's a double album and it's got all this crazy artwork and there's all these different weird directions the music's taking just to try to make my parents feel better i took a marker and i crossed out all the swear words in the lyric book you know you got to start somewhere. I, I have since rebought it because the old version was all scratched up to shit. Oh and um, God, that's awesome. Yeah, now I have a, a current version fully intact. I yeah, mean, yeah I, was, I, I mean, my parents would never. As much as they fucking really just like did not fucking like that shit. I mean, they weren't going through my shit looking at. Yeah, again, different time. Not not as much for folks to worry about. Just, give him a few years yeah you know what i mean i i think i think the whole deal was like my parents knew what i listened to so they they didn't want to know yeah you know, so yeah. it's like they're not looking through my fucking tape collection they're sure as fucking going through any lyrics but i mean also i mean most the majority of my tapes were were recorded so i, I mean i didn't have but i didn't have many lyrics in there anyway so i don't even know what they would have seen right yeah i was just you know that's my first step into a larger world and that's been going 20 plus years now right if they see some of the shit that i have now forget it dude <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> i would i don't know about be disowned i would just they would be very bummed <laughs> having said all that uh let's get to this next step is when did they stop becoming as prominent a thing for you for me yeah okay for me it's pretty easy the second melancholy came out 
Interesting. I think I saw, let's see. What was the first single on that? Was it Tonight Tonight? Actually, you know what? You know what? Here's when here's when it really started. When they released Disarm. Okay, I could see that. Because I really enjoyed I, I loved Siamese Dream, but I did not like that song. Mm-hmm. They released it and I was kind of like, ah, fuck, whatever. Then uh Melancholy came out. Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness. I mean, it's 95, you know. I mean, I was kind of um i was starting to find other stuff okay so yeah so i start falling out right when they released disarm right that single fucking blew up huge and and it wasn't like i was super just like ah fuck this because that's usually what happened i would like a band they would fucking there would be a song on the album i don't like that's the fucking huge single that's the one that everybody likes Mm -hmm. and you know, I'm just like, okay, whatever. But because I did watch MTV, I'm still, I, I mean, I guess I, mean, I still kind of listen to the radio, but I don't remember Smashing Pumpkins really like being played on the radio in Idaho very much. Right. We didn't have a rock station. It was, it was just top 40 period. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, they probably were played on there with Disarm somewhere. I just, whenever a band you like releases a song that you don't like <laughs> and gets popular off of it, and it gets played a lot, and you're just kind of like, and you just, I mean, sometimes, man, you're just kind of over it. So they released, uh, I think it was Bullet bullet and Butterfly Wings. A Bullet with Butterfly Wings, yeah. A Bullet with Butterfly Wings. Yeah. They released that one. And, I mean, I, I thought it was fine, whatever. I, I wasn't super into it. Um, I did like 1979 when they released that one, and I liked the video. Weird thing about 1979. I don't know if it's in your, li- in your list, but it's not nah. in mine. And I'll I'll, nope. so I'll just talk about something about it right now. Given the fact that I mean, you know, I am as old as I am. That song before I even knew it was called 1979 reminded me of something older. I I, I don't know. I'm not saying it reminded me of 79. I was five years old, but it reminded me of something older. It's not just even an old vibe. It certainly doesn't have an old sound. I mean, it doesn't have old production. Yeah, no. There's something about that song that just sounds like really retro. And I I don't know what it is or if it's just something in my brain. Like, I, I, I don't know. And then I saw that it was called 1979. I was just like, oh, I mean, makes sense. But then, then when they released Tonight Tonight, I was over it. I was like, okay, they just did it again. Mm-hmm. They just did it again. They... And now I didn't listen to the whole album Melancholy. So it was a double album. I wasn't buying a fucking double album, especially of a band I wasn't super into. Now, if they had released a double album of shit like Gish, I mean, huge boner, but that wasn't the case. So given that I'd heard a couple of singles, I wasn't going to buy the, the album. Friends, you know, plenty of friends did. But it was, it was like I heard Tonight Tonight and I'm like, I fucking hate that song. Even before it was like, I heard it on MTV and I'm like, this song fucking sucks. Like, why did they make a fucking video for this? I I can't fucking stand it. But then I thought, okay, I felt the same way with Disarm. It's a huge single for him. I honestly don't remember if I even heard Zero back then. I think the first time I heard Zero was on a movie or something. But that's, that's pretty, I mean, at Melancholy, I was over it. And to the point where until two weeks ago, uh, give or take shit. When did we last record since? Okay. 
whenever we last recorded, that's the first time I've heard anything after Melancholy. Interesting. Okay. Literally anything. I listened to Machina. There's some cool stuff on there. Yeah. I there not I had not recognized one fucking thing on there. I don't think most people would. I, I think most people again stop after the nineties. The bulk of what we're gonna talk about, I'm sure, is the nineties. Right. So Oh yeah. I mean I listened to it. I, I, so I listened to everything. Mm-hmm. Everything that's on Spotify, because some of this shit isn't on there. Yeah, I had to go on uh YouTube uh, twice. Yeah, I wasn't willing to put that kind of effort in. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, dude. Hey, in addition, I'm even awesome podcasters. Staying in the nineties, dude. Like fucking dude, there's just so much stuff. Like, like I remember being a kid and being like, oh, so there's singles and there's B sides and there's like like you know what I mean? There was just such an abundance because they want you to buy more shit, you know? It's nineties yeah, so, peak stuff, right? So like I remember when uh Pisces Iscariot came out. And yeah. I remember really enjoying the landslide cover. Mm-hmm. But everything else on there was the same thing every other time some fucking band decides, hey, man, let's put out all the shit that didn't make the fucking album. It just sounds mediocre. Right. Those songs are not. It's like, yeah, I understand why this didn't make the album. This shit sucks. It's not good enough. And it wasn't good enough for a reason. And I just don't like the band enough to want more in the sense that I will give in a little bit for some mediocre songs. Yeah, exactly. Generally, there's always like one song on there that's pretty cool. Like the Shadows Fall, Fall Out from the War, whatever. You know, they had the kick-ass cover of Tease and Pleasing. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, but that was it. That was all I liked off of it. And then this is just, it's the same thing. Pisces is scary. I was just like, eh. And I mean, there was that EP Lull. Which, for the most part, didn't really have a whole lot on it. It was kind of a throwaway, uh, whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I remember a friend being, like, super stoked that they actually found it. Because, I mean, it's Rhinoceros, which is on Gish. And then I think it's three songs that aren't. And I think they're all on Pisces Iscariot. I could see that. You know, and then just like uh, Peel Sessions, too. I mean, now all this stuff on Spotify now, if you just look up Gish, you know, I mean, if you get, if you go on Gish, I mean, all this stuff is there, you know, mm-hmm. plus some. There's straight up demos, live versions, you know, the usual. We're going to release 60 fucking tracks that no one cares about. I was going to say, dude, the re release versions, they have to, like, I remember when that first came out, I was like, man, there's fucking four discs at least worth of stuff for like, oh, yeah. The first dude, four I mean, albums. It's now I do remember reading stuff about a lot of the recording shit for these guys. And I mean, with Siamese dream, there was a lot of fucking stuff being recorded. I could imagine they were. So Corgan was like in a heavy depression. So, I mean, he pretty much just like he, he used the studio to get through his depression. So, I mean, you got to think it's, it's him in there. Now he recorded almost everything. At least those first two albums, he recorded almost everything. Yeah, it was him and uh, Jimmy Chamberlain just doing yeah. the drums. So he's saying, you know, for consistency's sake. Yeah. But when you're recording the bass too, that's not a consistency thing. That's a, you don't have faith that the rest of your band can get it done. Yeah, yeah. Or at least get it done in a specific amount of time. There was all kinds of fucking shit going on with this band to the point, dude, where they, I mean, they were getting clowned for it in the media. Yeah. 
you know, people calling them drama queens and shit like that. People saying that they were actually getting more famous off of the shit behind the music than right. the actual music itself. And I saw plenty of that in magazines, but it's pretty warranted. I mean, when you have one dude that's a fucking total fucking addict in the, in the sense of plenty of addicts make pl- plenty of good music, but this dude like wasn't showing up. Oh, Jimmy Chamberlain? <laughs> yeah, Chamberlain. Dude, okay. So case in point with the, the mom and dad thing, that band you like smashing pumpkins do you know that drummer's a heroin addict not knowing that fucking half if not more than that of the bands i listened to at the time were also heroin addicts again different time but like yeah it made news it was it was a notable thing you know here's okay i'll i'll save that for later but anytime you have somebody that is in the studio that much and they are in that much control you're gonna have a lot of stuff that, I mean, that's just all there's to it. There's a lot of shit left on the quote-unquote cutting room floor, right? And then eventually, you know, the way music, the music business went, it's like, well, let's try and make money off of it. You know, and honestly, either you are a complete fucking psycho and you want all this stuff or you feel like you got ripped off. Yeah. You know, I mean, bottom line. And, and it really just depends on how much you love the band. Or, or what's your style? I mean, I love death, but I'm not trying to listen to the fucking demos. Like, I don't really give a fuck about that. But that's, that's me. <laughs> yeah, right. That's you. I, I'm not like that. So it's just like, whatever. I like hearing like B-sides and like um, covers. And Well, yeah, actually, let me back up and elaborate on that then. I like the demos for songs that don't have the fucking, they're, they're, that's the only way to listen to that song. You know what I mean? Back from the Dead and Corpse Grinder. Aside from Corpse Grinder then being done by Massacre, who Cam Lee was also in, like that's the only way to hear that fucking song is on the album. I don't need to hear the demo songs of the album <laughs> that are actually out. You know what I mean? Like right, there, there's saying. a difference. Like, why, yeah. Like, there's a version I, of my number one on uh there's a demo ver no, it's not even a demo. It's a it's like an alternate take version of my favorite song on the the special version of Melancholy that I'm like, dude, this did not to be, need to be on here. You know what I mean? Like he's not even singing the fucking words. He's kind of going, eh, 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 you know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah. There's all that stuff. Right. So I'm looking at the Wikipedia right now, just cause I'm like, you know what? I'm going to check out how much stuff there is as far as like just, and I mean, like I said, I, I I've seen all this stuff on Spotify. Right. But I'm trying to see, Okay, dude, so reissue bonus material for this thing called, oh, so it's just Siamese Dream, but I look, it, it, the thing I clicked was Siamese Singles, right? Yeah, yeah. I so, had never heard of this until tonight. Right. There's, <laughs> I did see the reissue um, stuff on Spotify. I didn't count it out. There's 18 extra tracks, dude. Mm. And it's shit like Broadway rehearsal demo. So now you're starting to, they're starting to fucking tell you where the demos were recorded. It's like, who gives a fuck? <laughs> yeah. Like, who yeah. fucking cares? Man? I, I think that's the thing is they still make music or whatever, or they still it's, present in a, in the mentality of the time in which they were prominent. And it's like, yeah, I guess I can guess that that's all for diehards. Right. But who's dude, that's, that's beyond diehard. Well, man. even then, like that's, who's still really diehard about smashing pumpkins, dude. 
You know what I mean? Okay, Statistically speaking, I'm sure there is somebody. <laughs> but even right. then, like fucking, are when you talk about a Smashing Pumpkins fan, are they even that interested in anything after? Like you, be dream? a fucking super fan, dude. Like, you know, I mean, fucking, dude. There's this compilation: the aeroplanes fly, the aeroplane flies high. Yeah, five discs. That's exactly what that was. That was that's when that shit still made sense, at least in '96. It's like when you go to like Fry's or whatever, and it's like the big box set thing. I remember hearing that when I was a kid. Again, yeah, that's the okay. first time I've ever heard that, and I'm I like, mean, that's something you can do is make a fucking five disc set. They try to do that shit now, and it's like, who's that for, dude? You know what I mean? Like, like this is. This wasn't even in the time of streaming. This was like oh in the time yeah, of yeah. MP3s. It's like why? You also got to think too. Like, it's one thing to get this because I mean, this thing I do. I do recognize the album cover. This is on Spotify. This mm. uh, airplane flies high, right? Right. Kid, dude, paying for this? Yeah, that's what I'm saying, dude. I mean, it's got to be a lot of money. I didn't know that they did a cover of "You're All I've Got Tonight" by the Cars. Oh, I didn't see that either. That's interesting. There's several covers on this uh, on this uh, airplane flies high thing. Yeah, no mistake. I, mean, I like a lot of those covers too. The the thing is, like, and I mean, I guess there's this huge fucking medley that's 22 minutes and 57 seconds. That's mm. okay. Mm. Yeah, but they were. I mean these these guys. When it comes to this stuff, I mean, I'm dude, I'm looking at this shit, dude. This is. Okay, so not only is it a five CD set, there's also reissues with extra shit. For that? So, yeah, Fucking hell, man. So what I'm saying is, I can't think of another band that has this much stuff. Yeah, for real, dude. It's it's daunting, and that'd be one thing if it's like, uh, you know what I mean? It's like, intense. it's quality over it's quantity over quality, man. Like at a certain right. point, like, and I I wonder how much of it is just Corgan. Psycho is a shitty word, but he was psychotic about like the recording stuff. Like, I'm sure he's the kind of guy that, you know, oh yeah, he's living in the fucking studio. He just never fucking leaves. He's constantly recording. But the difference is like, he's the kind of guy that never gets rid of anything. Right. So that's probably why they have all this stuff where other bands probably don't have this shit because there's no reason to keep it. They don't care. Yeah. He was on a whole different level when it came to this stuff yeah i I know the media called him a tyrant and whatnot and it's like you know what eventually i don't know i mean is he because i mean eventually it did kind of implode on him yeah most definitely so there may have been some truth to that even though maybe it was it wasn't his fault maybe it wasn't purposeful but at the end of the day you're a tyrant doesn't you know even if you're not trying to be yeah for sure for sure you're still a tyrant he's I think a better word for than psycho probably be like he's a perfectionist. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's a lot of bands I admire like that. Any of their albums, even the ones I didn't like, there's a lot of stuff going on in everything they do. Even even acoustic songs, there's a lot going in the sense of where you listen to these acoustic songs that are recorded in 1991, like Daydream off a of Gish. It sounds immaculate. Mm-hmm. It sounds perfect. I mean, he's, he's just one of those dudes. Like, I, you know, like I think if you had him being produced by like Devin Townsend, like Ooh. that would cause some sort of fucking weird time paradox thing. Yeah, for sure. And it might start the apocalypse because it would be like two fucking perfectionists. Just do it again. No, I'll do it again. Mm-hmm. That's what I just said. <laughs> it, it would just, it would just be too much. 
you know, and, and there's certain people like that in the industry. And he is definitely one of them, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm looking at the singles, just, you know, promo singles, demo albums, fucking video albums. I mean, there's just so much fucking stuff, dude. Yeah. It's insane. So now that we got that out of the way, what <laughs> would you call these guys? Like, do you consider this shit grunge? No, uh, but like that's because there's just so much more to it than just grunge. I, I just say it's alternative in the grander sense. Like, like it, it really is just just an all-encompassing alternative right. band in the purest ninety sense. Again, what we're talking about. I mean, I guess you could call the stuff they did after that alternative. But like again, we're talking about early to mid nineties. Oh, so on that right. point, when I kind of got out of them, it's because I was getting into heavier stuff. You know, that's when I was getting more into Metallica, more into, you know, Corn was becoming a big t- thing at that time. Tool, right. you know, was in full swing at that time. And so, like, we could have a whole thing about this someday, too. But, like, when you're that age, you're still finding your way in the world and you're not the most secure person. You maybe disavow some things that you were into before because you're kind of ashamed. <laughs> you know, you don't want to, you want to, impress the cool kids or whatever when you're a certain age and I, every I, mean, I, per- I i think almost every person does it yeah so I, when i'm trying to think if i've ever done that where because i mean i've always been pretty loud and proud about the stuff that i like even if it's not cool yeah so this is the only instance in my case because like you know i'm still figuring things out and but when corn and lump biscuit was in full swing and it was you know metal time overall but new metal time I was oh smashing pumpkins, nah, man, nah. That was that was a phase, man. You know what I mean? Like that's not disavowing though. That I mean, that's that's just saying like, hey, man, I liked it for a little while too, but then I found this, and this is my shit. Yeah, no, that's true. And you want to know what it is? is like those people that are like fucking that stuff's fucking garbage. Yeah, never listen to that again. That's true. That's true. Or, well, so for me, part of the deal was like you know, oh, I was never into it. No, th- okay, that's true. Yeah, that's true. You are copping the to the fact that you did listen to it. Yeah. You're just telling yourself it was a phase or whatever. Yeah. So what it was, was when I started transitioning into like heavier stuff, I didn't put any labels on myself at all, man. It was the other kids like, like when they were full on. So you guys got to remember, Jason, you'll, you'll have a different perspective on this. Cause you were older. I was a little kid, but like metal was a bad fucking word in the, in the, most of the nineties we'll say, right. Especially mid nineties, what I'm talking about. Right. So it was all the kids that listened to 91 X here. You know what I mean? It was like, Oh man, it's alternative. Fuck any, you know, fuck metal. Like that's, that's the old shit or whatever. Right. So like, again, I never called myself metal. It was these kids that were like, Oh, you listen to Metallica and corn and shit like that. You're metal. We don't like you. And I was like, am I? Okay, so it became it became more about them giving me shit than it became me like trying to you know what I mean. I just like the music that I liked, and then it's funny right after that, alternative kind of not became a dirty word, but it was looked at a little differently. And then it was pop punk, dude. It was it was when you know, Dude Ranch by Blink One Eighty Two came out, and then especially after Enema of the State, and then it became pop punk kids declaring war on fucking everything not all of them but like a lot of people liked that big explosion of pop punk that followed you know obviously green day but especially blink 182 here they're fucking they formed five minutes from where i'm at right now 
and all the fucking pop punk kids got super adamant about oh pop punk or death fucking they didn't even call it punk it was punk that was just punk this might be a a rant for another episode actually <laughs> i'm sorry i i'm realizing this i, I we would have to get it uh, put a pin in that for another day probably but like it's because like they were the ones that kind of forced the the dichotomy you know the schism or whatever they had to be were against this because we like this which i didn't give a shit about but you know that's that's where i started taking on the term metal is because it was kind of forced upon me you know do you remember when you we had said I don't remember what episode we'd said it on. Maybe we were just talking, but you had said like, not all new metal is is rap metal, but all rap metal is new metal. No, no, it's 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 not all alternative Wait. metal is new metal, but all new metal is alternative metal right, because right, yeah, 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 because that's a subset of, you know, it's it's like alternative rock. Grunge is a is a. See, to me, it's like all all grunge is alternative. But not all alternative is exactly. Grunge. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. But there are some alternative bands to me that really can fit into the grunge thing. Oh yeah, and a lot of it has to do with the guitars. Oh yeah, I mean Butch Vidge, dude, straight up. Like at least the first two albums, right? Which I didn't know. Yeah. Um, Gish was recorded for twenty thousand bucks. I don't know what that would equate yeah. to in um. I just 90... saw that on the Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah I don't it's know. Probably like nine hundred thousand dollars now. Yeah, man. Again, we're talking, it's a lower budget for a band that size, but it's a fucking big budget for a lot of other bands. You know what I mean? Especially the kind of money that was dropping around that time when the record industry was in the middle of its peak. Um, I'll tell you what's, I'll tell you to me, the key to this whole fucking band. I mean, and it's not Corgan. Corgan's fucking, Corgan's awesome. You know, and he, and he does this thing, whatever. I think the, the, the thing that really makes this band move for me is Jimmy Chamberlain. Well, so did you read that other thing about when he first joined? No, I the only thing I know about Chamberlain was he was like he was a uh, he was recommended to Billy because they had so they played a show at some place and then they basically weren't asked back unless they had an actual drummer. Yeah, so yeah, basically yeah. Basically some venue was like or promoter or something was like, "Hey, ditch the fucking drum machine." Dude. Mm-hmm. and so they were like oh well okay fuck and then so he was he was recommending and i know he was um he was a pretty heavy jazz drummer at the time and so you can hear that when he put it now they do get back to the drum machine a little bit later on and at some point dude he just stops playing a certain way mm-hmm. and i think that's why a lot of the later stuff doesn't work for me there's there's a way that he plays on gish and siamese dream that's just fucking outstanding dude even on on uh melancholy dude when he really really goes for it on the heavier songs or the more up-tempo or upbeat songs whatever you want to call it dude he's an underrated ass drummer and i know he's well regarded but he's still he, underrated he you know fucking amp up a song you know without change you know generally the easiest way to ramp up a song is to fucking start speeding up the tempo yeah another real easy way to ramp up a fucking song is either a just start romping on one of your cymbals or start romping on your kick drums this mm-hmm. dude's cymbal work is through the roof yeah his tom work through the roof this dude just starts playing chaotic dude mm-hmm. and you have a song like my number five i think i put it at my number five that has no guitar like no distortion at all and at one point in the song man it just really fucking starts it really starts fucking getting it going hmm. it's all him yeah he can change the complexion 
of any song just from what he plays, which most drummers can. It's just this dude does. Right. Another thing I think of when I think of this band, I don't know if there's a better band going from soft to fucking loud. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Dynamics, dude. Like they have, they'll be playing the soft little fucking, I mean, straight up fucking Mr. Rogers land of make believe type shit, dude. You know, just that's actually not a song of theirs. I just an example right well it could be now you put it into the ether <laughs> but the thing is like they could be playing some shit like that make it even softer than that mm-hmm. for like a bar or two and then all of a sudden bah, yeah, bah, yeah. Bah, bah. and i mean it's just the fuck it's so fucking cool dude mm-hmm. well so that was they the thing shit. yeah that was the thing was apparently like where they started out as a, a just a goth rock band it's when he joined them on drums and they were noticing how hard he could hit they were like man we should utilize we should write shit that'll you know curtail to that drum style and so that's when all the other stuff starts coming in that was he's, the other thing um very underrated i'm yeah. really bummed out that i mean i even fucking totally forgot about him when we did our modern drummer list i mean i don't know if he would have been five in the five but i mean he would have i would have definitely spoke uh, spoke on him and i feel bad that we didn't because yeah. he's super fucking good yeah it's just i think you're onto it with what what's the last thing he did that was noteworthy and that was 25 years ago you know what i mean like well right it's just a matter of like i've forgotten so much you know because every once in a while dude i remember and i pop on gish mm-hmm. but not that often I mean, we were talking like maybe once a year yeah i could see that know? Yeah. And there's a lot of bands like that for me where it's just like, you know, I like, you know, one or two things from them or it's like hyper mood stuff. Right. You know? Yeah. And I'm just not in that mood all the time. So, but the cool thing about music is, and especially about streaming age is it's always there. It's yeah. there when you need it, you know, for sure. Quick, before we go on to another thing, I'm going to shout out my little brother and couple of his friends damon boyce and perry hoffman i believe two huge smashing pumpkins fans although i just got a text from my little brother that said they don't really go in for anything after melancholy and the yeah, sadness that's i mean even people. those dudes and they were huge fans of smashing pumpkins yeah case in point dude it's just like did you look at the um the ri the the certifications at all uh-uh. or the or the chart placements it's uh it, 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 it tells a story there's a there's a trajectory there you know like let me pull it up real quick <laughs> i'm sure it does yeah you know it's like have you I've, i mean it's one thing to meet a rabid smashing pumpkins fan anyway just in life right yeah but to meet somebody hit us up i want to know if you like i want to fucking know if anybody likes the new shit better than the old shit yeah exactly that's what i want to know yeah if i want to know if that fucking exists man yeah it's like i don't i don't think it does i think anybody that likes that new shit it's all because they really love the old shit yeah exactly it's um what what is it signs right with uh joaquin phoenix he's the baseball player and he talks about (laughs) you know where i'm going with this i've barely seen the movie so i mean Okay, so they, it's it's, it's the it's kind of the shitty Shyamalan exposition kind of deal where it's all like, "Wow, you were all time great hitter, blah blah blah. Why why weren't you in the majors? 
And then some shitty crusty guy in the back is all, it's because of all the ones he missed. That's the one people overlook is because like for every hit he had, he had like almost as many misses or whatever. I'm paraphrasing, but you know what I mean? Like, and that's the batting average for smashing pumpkins. You've done done more bad than good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) so let's, let's, let's just look at, I got it pulled up here, right? Gish platinum Siamese dream quadruple platinum they go from 146 with gish on the billboard chart to 10 melancholy comes out number one on the charts it's diamond or wait yeah diamond so that's over 10 million sold uh and then a door comes out and it's three years after almost three years after melancholy number two we expect it it's the follow-up the long-awaited follow-up right in the log run it's only gone platinum two years after that machina Number three on the Billboard chart, which is actually pretty not bad as far as the list goes, right? But it's only gone up to gold. There's some sketchiness with Machina too. They come back for the first time with Zeitgeist in 2007. Yeah, only gold. No other certifications after that. And then they went from number two to number four with the or next record. Then the next one's 33. Then they're out of the top 40 with 54 on the 2018 album. The last one's 86. Like it's it's telling, you know what I mean. Granted, there's oh, some yeah. circumstances. There's yeah, there's weird shit because streaming, but still, they're just no. not. It, dude, it's like Rush. Show me a Rush fan that fucking likes the new, like anything after like '89. The last one was actually a big deal. Granted, that's going to be the last there ever was. A bigger deal than what they had done. Um. Really? Yeah, yeah, that that was like it was their first on Roadrunner, I guess only on Roadrunner, but like everybody was like, wow, because it was seen as a return to form of old Rush. You know what I mean? Like Snakes and Arrows caught a little attention, but this one actually did a lot. But that's Rush episode, right? So right, um, it's, it's just that same kind of thing when you have it's. There's just certain bands, man, that just like they just have something. They capture something at a specific time. Yeah, and it's either the stuff before it or the stuff after it, or maybe there's stuff before and after maybe mm-hmm. they capture that moment in the middle of their career where it just really just does not. It's not the same. No. Yeah. 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 There were, it was a time and place thing. And that, that's kind of the trip after uh melancholy. I don't know about a door, but at least after melancholy, he started getting, I don't even know if it's smashing pumpkins or if it's Billy Corgan, maybe smash either way. Sharon Osborne took him on, management wise and she told all these stories about how he acted diva ish and he like wanted all this special treatment because of you know how big a deal they were five years before that and she had to constantly go it's not five years ago you know times have changed and you're not the same band it's the world's in a different place and apparently that's why i'm like with those special edition out release albums man it's like five it's the five disc versions or nothing and they're like closer to a hundred dollars than not right so it's like, who is that for in the 2000s, let alone in 2020 or whatever, you know? I don't think most people would have heard that shit without Spotify by now, you know? Right. It's it's exactly a time and place band. And the, and those it's awesome that those albums are still widely regarded. It's just those first three albums out of what? Let's see. Like 10, give or take. Over 10, maybe. I don't know. It's an interesting trajectory that I don't know that we've covered yet. Output wise on this show from a band, you know what I mean? oh yeah interesting i'm looking at even like the writing it's crazy that you look at this stuff dude it's it's all tracks written by corrigan except were noted and then there's like 
James Eha gets like <laughs> two credits. Yeah, those those songs you know I mean? like, that he writes. I tend to skip those. It's it's literally like one to two per album, and he's the only other person that gets anything. Yeah. Dude, fucking Melancholy is a double fucking album. He has two credits on it. Yeah. I mean, and that's the only <laughs> other two credits. Yeah. Every, it's fucking, dude, it's crazy, man. Like, I don't know if he's just like, I mean, Adore, all tracks, Billy Corgan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like Machina, all tracks, Billy Corgan. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, it's just the dynamic they had, right? I, whether or not it's right. Well, I, well, I don't whatever. know if it was the dynamic they wanted, but no, it's for sure. The it's the dynamic they had. had. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I mean? And it's interesting because I would love to hear that interplay more. Maybe not now. Again, it doesn't matter now. But like Billy Corgan always talked about he was the one that was always pushing for a really metallic sound. And James Eha was on the other side of things. And he would kind of try to rein him in when it got too metallic, which if you're me, I want more metallic. But you know what I mean? Like I do like those other flourishes. And then, you know, Darcy was the only other original member. And um, she got shit canned for substance abuse or whatever after a certain point um you can't really you can definitely hear her on the first two albums you really can't on melancholy and then like there's ba- barely any instrument instruments on a door you know what i mean like well yeah but that was the one where jimmy chamberlain wasn't there right yeah yeah i remember i remember they played saturday night live and that's when kenny arnop was on drums who's like one of the go-to fill-in guys. There's a, a movie called Hired Gun all about fill-in guys, and he's on there. Really? Yeah. It's a fun watch. That's it's just very, very, very favored towards five-finger five death punch because the dude that just quit the band was in it at the time, and it was like the end suddenly becomes a story about him being in Alice Cooper's band and then joining five-finger death punch. So other than that, pretty neat look. I'm reading this. I'm going to read this quote from Corrigan. Mm-hmm. When, when they met Jimmy Chamberlain, he was wearing a pink t-shirt, stonewashed jeans. He had a mullet haircut and he was driving a 280Z and he had yellow drums. We were sort of looking at each other in the eye thinking, this ain't going to happen. This is not the guy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but he learned all our songs as only Jimmy can off the top of his head. And within one practice, we were ready to play. It was, it was amazing. Hmm. We just knew right away he's that good. Yeah, I mean, that's one of those stories from okay. that down. I got, I gotta say stuff. I thought this dude was dead, Jimmy Chamberlain. Yeah, yeah, he's you know he's with them again. No, he's been, like, I thought he died. I, you know what? I, I, I might have specifically hearing something about he fucking died. He OD'd. I, I think I might have remembered hearing something about that. That's also the around the time when shit could have been, you know wasn't as debunked as quick, and it just kind of was free to circulate in rumor form. You know what I mean? Maybe actually, maybe I don't know. When did you think you heard that? Because now I'm like, man, I feel like I heard that I maybe a couple times. Something about fucking Jimmy Chamberlain fucking OD'd and got fucking Tommy Lee on drums. They did get Tommy Lee on drums for an album, but if you look at how many times Jimmy Chamberlain was gone and came back, it's actually pretty astounding. I can't keep track of any of that, you know. James Ehaw was with um, a Perfect Circle at one point when Pumpkins was on and off. And maybe he still is. I don't know, but I don't think so because he's back with them. Oh, fuck. Okay, okay. This must be what it is. Washington Post. Drug overdose kills musician on Smashing Pumpkins tour. Ah, okay. okay. And so everybody just it. assumed it was him? <laughs> I guess, dude. Fuck. 
Okay, so the band's drummer, Jimmy Chamberlain, 32, was arrested on a drug possession charge after shooting heroin in a Manhattan hotel room with keyboard player Jonathan Melvoin, mm. who died of an overdose. That must be what I fucking heard, and I just heard, I just read it wrong or, or heard it wrong or something. When but, was that from? Uh, let's see. So that is from 1996. Holy shit. The, the thing is, I think, okay, so I looked up when I decided to listen to Machina. I looked up to see who was on it because it was definitely more, it was more metal mm-hmm. than I remember, than I thought it would be because I had heard that they kind of like had some stuff that didn't have uh, guitars like, or, or it was more electronic music, right? Yeah. That was so, all of a door. Yeah. That's when I fell off. So I, and then, so I, I was on Spotify, I heard a door and I was like, okay, this must be that album. Right. So then mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm on the machina. And I was like, oh shit. Like this is a lot more metal based than I thought it was going to be. I thought it would be the same thing as a door. So I looked up to see who the drummer was because it didn't sound like Jimmy Chamberlain. I looked to see who the drummer was. It was like, this is, you know, Jimmy's uh, Jimmy Chamberlain's return to the band. I'm like, wait, what? Like he's alive. <laughs> I don't know if I should be laughing at that, but yeah, you know what I mean? Like he came yeah, back just, and left several times. So I was like, okay, so I just wanted to know if you'd heard that at all. Like, but I mean, I, I specifically remember that. And then the whole thing with Tommy Lee, like, I don't think that was until like 2012. No, and that's the thing, man. You could just assume that they just were at it the whole time and just never really took a break, but they were officially broken up after a certain point and then came back. And that was the big deal, right? Was when they first came back. And uh, we'll get to the result of that in a sec. But like, you remember Billy Corgan had a band called Zwan? Yes. Yeah. And it was just kind of him exploring the kind of more ethereal i remember like sharon osborne really hates billy corgan and took as many opportunities as she could to swipe at him to the point where um they go to on the osborne's on like one of the first episodes of the osborne's they go to a zwan show at some club in hollywood and they come back going oh it sounded like fucking elevator music like you know she holds vendettas man she'll take any jab she can but i remember hearing zwan too going okay they they just were out of the public conscious for so long. So I think when they did come back in 2007, everybody's like, oh yeah, Smashing Pumpkins. So is it this weird techno shit? I haven't heard it since it came out. So I can't, I just remember it being very, very mellow. All of the elevator music uh, comp or comment, right? This must not be it. Hmm. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of mellow, but. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember, dude. That was such a long time ago. But so they do their comeback and this is when the music industry is still in flux. People are still trying to figure out what the fuck is happening. Downloading is in its full swing, probably the middle of the prime of it. Right. And so like there's some bands aren't ready to adapt yet. What do they do? Uh, okay. ACDC is going to release an album, but it's only going to be sold in target or Walmart or whatever the fuck. You remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. Like stuff like that. So put the new U2 album on your iPhone and you can't get rid of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So there's the everything's still in flux, right? So there's two bands that I'm aware of, the, to, the two that stick out in my mind that uh, Best Buy, you could only get the album at Best Buy. One was Chicken Foot. <laughs> if you remember Chicken Foot, which was yep. the, the super group with Sammy Hagar, fresh out of Van Halen, with Michael Anthony, 
Chad Smith from the Red Hot Chili Peppers on drums and Joey Satriani on guitar. All right. And the other was Zeitgeist from 2007 with uh, Smashing Pumpkins. And I'm wondering if that's why you can't find it on Spotify is because there's still some legality that won't let that be on there, you know? And I heard a little bit of it. I recall, again, like they went back to a more metallic sound after a while. I just think most of the world had moved on by that point. And it is very fine. That's a thing, man. I don't think there's any bad Smashing Pumpkins that I can think of. A lot of it is just fine. And when you have so many more options of stuff to listen to, why would you settle for something that's just fine? You know what I mean? Going beyond that, I don't remember any of you know most of the other albums. I don't remember Oceana or Monuments to an Elegy. And those are still on big labels at that point. EMI and BMG right after that, right? Yeah. Did you you said you listened to those? Yes. Huh. Did you find anything notable about them? Oceania. I don't remember them. So on Oceania, there's a really cool song called Violet Rays. Mm-hmm. I'll have to look into that. I don't remember. Shit. It's it's really cool. Um, okay. it's not like I'm trying to think of something I would compare it to. I actually didn't mind the album in the sense that you kind of have to pretend it's a different band. I think that would help. I think that would, you know what I mean? Like, cause I bet there's some shit on some of these that I would actually like more if I went in going, okay, enjoy it for what it is. Uh, but I, I don't, I'm trying to think if, yeah. So they're, they're actually really not that bad. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like I always go in you know, thinking these things are way worse, and then I hear it and it's like, yeah, it's all right. No, I think Oceania is one that if if I maybe had a little more time, but there's stuff like this that I think is better because Corgan isn't singing on it. Yeah, for sure. He does have a pe- a, a peculiar voice. Yes, a la Getty Lee, mm-hmm. who I think I've said that on the show where Getty told him, you know, like be comfortable with your voice. I mean if you're comfortable with your voice, you could do anything because he said something like if I had a nickel for every time someone told me they didn't like my voice, I wouldn't need to be in rush. Mm -hmm. But the Oceania stuff reminds me kind of, um, fuck dude. I, I listen to stuff like this where it's, um, it's, I mean, I I guess the only thing I call is like, it's like mellow ish alternative. I, I think if you liked, now, granted, there's some stuff on here that's straight up just like kind of poppy, like uh, I don't know, like Maroon Five or something. Yeah, but there's still guitar on it, but not much. The drums sound like a drum machine, even though it's real guy playing drums, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, there's a couple that, but I mean, for the most part, I mean, it's like uh, I think if you like Gish and you really want to fucking hear something newer, it's not quite as trippy, but it is kind of um what do you call it like you can space out to it a little bit you know yeah for sure um it's not as psychedelic but it's still shoegazy like it's just not as and it's not as guitar driven either or, or at least the guitars most of the guitars are more clean and like and clean and uh acoustic mm-hmm. you know Shimmery, but they still have even. distortion but i think the distortion's more like um more like a rock distortion. And I mean, like like active rock radio now. Mm -hmm. And this is 2012. I mean, it's not as, um, it's not as poppy as like, I don't know, like imagine dragons or something like that. Right. It's, it's kind of going there. It's, it's, it's not terrible. It's, it's just, it's, it's like you said, when you have everything available, it's like, why would you listen to it? 
Mm-hmm. It, it has to be just a curiosity thing. But I mean, I'm telling you right now, this is Oceania is the one album I would listen to again mm. and have pretty much no problem. I also think it's it's more focused than Monuments. Mm-hmm. Monuments has a lot of different sounding shit. Like we're going to experiment every song. Right. Yeah. You know, there's not a, there's not a, uh, there's not a through line. Mm-hmm. You know, it's every song sounds completely fucking different. It sounds like a bunch of songs just collected for an album where, where um, Oceanus Oceanus sounds like someone sat and wrote an album. Right. You know, I mean, did you listen to the new one at all? Yeah, I was actually going to ask. Did you check that one out too? Um, a little bit, but. So I, what a trip. I definitely. <laughs> like overall, man, I didn't know that the second to last one, Shiny and Oh So Bright Volume 1, which there was no volume two, was on Napalm. Like, like that was their first off of a uh, major. And like, granted, Napalm, if you talk about Napalm 20 years ago and Napalm now, like you see some of the bands Napalm has, you're like, oh shit. It's just interesting because that was their first one off a of major. But Korn's been on Roadrunner for a while now. Rob Zombie's on Nuclear Blast. So is um, Megadeth, I think. Right? Like a lot of these guys, they're, they were bigger names. They're all doing, you know, independent stuff now, which is interesting. Independent, quote unquote. You know, some of those fucking labels are huge. Um, is there even a guitar on the new one? I have no idea, dude. So the new one... I mean, I didn't hear any from what I listened to, and I'm just kind of scanning through some stuff right now. Man. I, just, I feel like there was some guitar-ish guitar. moments, yeah. I mean, I definitely don't like this. This is this is more like... Uh, this is this more like a door. This reminds me more of just straight up pop music yeah yeah exactly so i remember listening to one song off shiny and oh so bright it's the whole thing rick rubin's on board for this one. Oh, cool i'm thinking it was just again very okay just kind of i don't know about generic but you know kind of bland alternative in the broadest sense alternative rock so this new one i don't even know how you're supposed to say it's seer or cyr um seer yeah, it's it's on Sumerian, which was the first. What the fuck? Everybody was going Sumerian. <laughs> okay, uh, so you got your faceless, you got your after the burial, you got your smashing pumpkins. Right on. <laughs> Why not? Um, right in, and then this one was completely self fucking guitar on it. Yeah, then this one was self produced, and that's how I remember hearing that the first time they put out the first single with the Sumerian announcement. And I was like, ah, oh, they're doing this again. Okay. And I went back I mean, and I listened to it. If I had to listen to pop stuff, I, I would probably la- rather listen to this than Imagine Dragons. No, true. Yeah. Um, I, I, I When I listened to it again, I didn't think it was bad. It's just that it's like 10 or 11 or 12 versions of the same song, right? Like like every <laughs> it's song. Not, it's not bad. It's just not good. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's fine. It's like, it's, it's him trying to do Depeche Mode again. I realized the through line I didn't before. Okay. Yeah. It is kind of like that. It's yeah. See again, it's not as melancholy though. True. Yeah. 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 Granted they had a lot of happier sounding stuff as well. Um, yeah. It's just like, I don't know, man. I even going back and listening to Adores, like, man, this isn't bad. Like I just didn't want this when I was when I was fourteen or thirteen or whatever with a right, fuck when it came out. Yeah, you know what I mean? So that's a big part of it. It's yeah. That's here. Can I? I'm gonna read an interesting quote right here that sums up exactly what happened after Melancholy. They're talking about 
the the sales for uh machina which again having gone back i'm like man this is actually kind of cool like it's the closest thing to me being excited about something post melancholy jimby chamberlain says it was like watching your kid flunking out of school after getting straight a's for 10 years my bad (laughs) so that's not the quote i was talking about but that's what caught my eye first but yeah you know what i mean like so so is 2008 corgan summarized the failures of the album he says, I think it was the combination of the band breaking up during that record, Darcy leaving the band, Corn was huge at the time, Limp Biscuit was huge at the time, so the album wasn't heavy enough. It wasn't alternative enough. It was sort of caught between the cracks, and it was a concept record which nobody understood. So the combination of the elements was a career killer. A door didn't alienate the audience. I personally disagree with that. They were just sort of like, oh, it's not the record I want. I, I can agree with that. But he then goes on to say, Machina was the one that alienated people. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, I don't know. If you put that out right after a door, I think it would soften the blow a little. People wouldn't be as stoked. But again, man, a door, because he has commented on a door since. He said he was going through a divorce. Uh, James Eon and Darcy were dating and they broke up. And then Jimmy Chamberlain was in the middle of the heroin thing. So the album was kind of a weird, unintentional experiment. I remember fucking hating a door when it came out, dude. And I was like, what is this? Yeah, and again, he summed it up perfectly. It was, oh, it's not the record we want. You know what I mean? But like, that's the thing, man. When I was getting into melancholy, I liked some of the lighter songs, but it was those heavier songs I gravitated towards. You know what I mean? That was, you know, now knowing that they were massively influenced by Black Sabbath and they had a boner for Pantera and Judas Priest, right? That was the thing too, man. was like, again, we talked about like metal was kind of a bad word in the alternative circle in the 90s. Even though a lot of these bands were very much so metal influenced that by Black, or Black Sabbath at the very least, a lot of them weren't open about it and kind of disavowed it. You know, um, Alice in Chains was always open about it. They were always down for the metal tag and they always put Sabbath on, you know, they always had good things to say about them. Soundgarden, Nirvana, all these other bands that had a very distinctive Sabbath influence we're not on board for admitting that until years and years and years later. If you watch the grunge episode of uh, metal evolution, that's all that fucking episode is about, man. It's interesting. Smashing pumpkins conversely was all about, Hey man, we love Sabbath. We love Pantera. Like they were the ones that kind of like kept the flame burning, man. And in fact, that's one thing that they say kind of differentiates them from the rest of the grunge pack was a lot of them were all about Ramones. It was all, you know, they were a, way about the punk movement and smashing pumpkins it says smashing pumpkins wasn't i can think of one exception is that billy corgan always talks about bad brains but i mean other than that i guess yeah but like they were also coming from a different spot you know they were coming from sabbath they were coming from david bowie and a lot of other classic 70s and 80s rock big album oriented rock shit which way shows its influence on melancholy you know what i mean but they were the ones that kind of kept the torch going for metal in in the nineties when nobody else was willing to outside the metal circle itself. Like good on them, man. Fucking a, that's how I got into the heavier stuff. That's what got, you know, Deftones going in a heavier direction. I, we got to thank them for at least their contribution that much. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, they had like fucking legit guitar solos on their shit. Yeah, absolutely, man. And that guitar sound, I, I, we talked about it on our guitar shit did we release the guitar tones episode no we probably should redo that sometime okay all right all right anyways <laughs> i don't even know if i have it on my computer anywhere it's like, all right i uh i must have it on a drive or something but regardless i've that that was the thing that got me as a kid man more than just the riff and zero it was that guitar tone dude like 
they, that was their whole thing. When, uh, when metal went its own direction post Sabbath, a lot of those bands were taking the Sabbath sound from the seventies and bringing it back with the fuzzed out guitars. You know, obviously there's the stoner movement as a whole that took it in its own psychedelic direction, but then you also had the sludge bands and the grunge bands and pumpkins did it in their own way because I've so been so fascinated by this guitar tone. I looked up a video on how, on how to get it. And Billy Corgan talks about it. He's all, yeah, man, we just uh, took one of these big muff pedals and played around with it. And that's it. That's the sound. I'm not a big gear guy, so I don't know how else to do stuff. I just like this sound. I was like, oh, all right. So there's no mystery to it. And I kind of like that. That's kind of cool. But also they would like do tracks upon tracks upon tracks and just make a fucking mountain of sound out of these guitar tracks. And that's kind of also what defined their sound. Um, yeah, you could definitely tell that. Yeah. I mean, I remember reading stuff about them in the studio and they're, you know, they're talking about like, you know, they walk in the studio and there's just like a shitload of pedals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that happened a lot at the time. I mean, Corn talked about that too. Like their first album they recorded with Ross Robinson and they said they walked in there and it was just like every fucking pedal you could ever want was just fucking kind of sitting there. And they said the only problem was we fucking used almost every single one of them. So when <laughs> we went to go play live, <laughs> yeah we ended up having to have these huge fucking pedal boards Mm -hmm. which i mean that's shoegaze to a fucking t right like that's where the name kind of like sort of kind of comes from is the idea that they look like they're looking at their shoes the whole time because they're constantly fucking with their pedal boards well yeah but also it's the stuff they're playing too it's it's that (laughs) kind of that droning kind of thing where you're just kind of hunched over yeah looking at your shoes yeah 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 Yeah. i like i like them both I need to go in on shoegaze more. I, it's, I, I listen to more shoegaze influenced bands than shoegaze bands themselves. I need to, I need to dive in there a little more. Um, let's talk real quick about soundtrack songs. Did you ever like any of the stuff that came out on the soundtracks? I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of one. Oh, there wasn't okay, a ton. So what, there's, there's one that's in my top five. Oh, okay. You know what? Let's hold off on that then. I, uh, I'm trying to think which one it might be. Cause again, there weren't that many to choose from, but, I will say one of them kind of for no, actually they all foreshadowed where they were going to go after melancholy. Cause I think they were all after melancholy. Um, anything else you want to get in on? Uh, I think we hit everything I wanted to hit. Yeah. I feel like there's more, but can't think of it, which kind of sums up their discography. Uh, I hate <laughs> to be taking these digs, man. It just really is just like what happened. You know what I mean? So uh, let's get into that list. Jason, how about your honorable mentions? Ever since we the, those early episodes, man, I've really been curtailing a lot of these. I mean, listen to the Gish album for sure. To me, I mean, the album is just so fucking good. But I mean, there's some stuff off Siamese Dream. I don't want to tread on anything of yours. I would think probably <laughs> something that um, is underrated is something like Silver Fuck. All mm. spoiler oh, alert. Fucking, there's not uh, much that isn't off Melancholy. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll get into that. So but, Silverfuck yeah. has that like with the uh, the harmonics, like it's pretty cool. And then it has that die down with the toms, and it's just that droning, you know, the droning, the droning bass. So at first, it's got the big tom thing. It kicks back up. You know, for the verse, ah, no, da, no, no, you know, um, but then I think it, I'm trying to think if it does it after each one, 
but it, it goes on the you know so yeah right about halfway through and it's a long song too man it's like eight minutes eight or nine minutes but it's got this whole thing where it's just the bass just doom, 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 you know and there's all kinds of stuff going on like they do yeah he's really good about having the bass uh fill up a lot of space mm-hmm. and and you know it's like for years i thought that was uh darcy i'm not saying she can't play it. i'm just saying like you know when you listen to these- oh shit i never put that together until you just said that okay because i said that like you can barely hear the bass on um melancholy i totally forgot because he fucking played the bass it's like because you hear it all over the place on the first two albums oh, wow dude, yeah it's massive okay on the first two albums like, sorry now i just such a huge part of it the, but there's the, a lot we'll see so melancholy the reason i think one of the reasons why there's not that much bass there is because there's a lot of strings on a lot of songs that's dude there's did you uh there's, there's a you, lot of stuff going on in the songs i mean something has to give and and so where gish is very quiet i actually cut that out of the last episode the debut albums when when i talked about gish but it is very empty sounding a la despite icon is a modern man there's there's an emptiness to it that just sounds really cool yeah but it's all held down by that fucking bass you know what i just realized because butch vig would have done um well both of the first albums but also um never mind around the same time which came out before or between uh never mind and gish which one came out first um, I think Gish. I could see that. I just did. That didn't occur to me till now. You know, Butch Vig has a very distinguished sound as far as that goes. It's like I just sorry. All these things are hitting me. They're like, oh yeah, this is why X, Y, and Z. You know what I mean? Interesting. Huh? Okay. Yeah, Gish came out right before Nevermind. No shit. There you go. Okay. Yeah, and he did like Sonic Youth Dirty in '92. I mean, in a lot of ways. He was, he was the, the he was the grunge master almost. Yeah, I mean, L seven. Yeah, man. Drain, like uh, Smashing Pump, More Sonic Youth, Helmet, Betty. Oh yeah, Soul Asylum. Yeah, <laughs> you, know, like, you really, dude. I mean, he was the definitive producer for that era, and he still does stuff with um, Foo Fighters. And he's um, you know, right. he's in Garbage for crying out loud. Yeah, like all the other guys except Shirley Manson in Garbage are producers, I think. Yeah, yeah, all of them are. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, that, that song right there, like the drone, you know, is, is that, I mean, that's another thing of that shoegaze stuff, you know, like that, that fucking real drone thing going on. But another one I really love off of Siamese Dream is Hummer. Yeah, that's, yeah. I don't know, man. There's only I a few that grab my attention. Over top of the... Oh, that. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the bass line, you know? like Yeah. I mean, it's the fucking clean tone when he's just all, that you know, I mean, he's doing his, like, ultra fucking mellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, in the, but, I mean, Jimmy's, like, really busy. Mm-hmm. You know, Jimmy's, like, you know, and the hi-hat's just going. It's not slow. It's just really soft. Yeah, you know, and then all yeah. of a sudden, to go, to, you know, like you know, the guitar comes in, and I mean, they got fucking awesome guitar tone, like there's so yeah. bite to the stuff, and I mean, those two off of there, I mean, I'll shout out again, like 1979 is a fucking cool song. It's mm-hmm. like like I said before, I you know that that nostalgia for a song that's not even that old. You know, it's just it was it was a really strange feeling for me to hear that song. 
other than that, I mean, I don't, I don't really have anything. I mean, I, I could talk about Gish for a long time. That might be one where we might have to do like an alternative essentials. And I mean, oh, yeah. listen to the album and talk about it. Like, I mean, I'll say this. My list is actually not dominated, but I mean, most of the stuff would be Gish and Simon Dream. So I think I, that's something I was going to say too was, so that might just be a, a fact of like when we got into it, because when I was, it was, it was only melancholy. Right. And so then going back, I was like, oh, there's a couple songs here that I like. But like, if you it's want mostly... to hear some cool like vibrato guitar, listen to Window Pane off of Gish. Mm-hmm. Um, I am one is kind of a. I'll save that for my number five. Um, actually, because I, I just changed my number five. Mm. I, there is something I do like a little bit more. So one honorable mention would be would be number six would be Suffer, off of Gish. I love the way the snare sounds, and it's just Jimmy playing at the start. You know, it's got this bass. You know, and then they have the like the shimmery vibrato clean guitar, but there's no distortion on the whole song. I don't think it's acoustics, but the way that the the pick sounds on the clean guitar is probably using a light pick, so it has that kind of like an acoustic guitar that you would normally hear with yeah. an acoustic guitar. You right. hear the picking, the ride cymbal with the picking kind of makes it almost sound like that acoustic click sound from the picking mm-hmm. but about halfway through it man it switches in the bass line goes, do, 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 do. and i mean it changes the complexion of the song you know and it's got this fucking um but it's like that that uh i'm gonna try and do it with my throat here you know like that sort of thing like heavy vibrato like uh, but this is the one where it's like towards the end, it it, it kind of picks up in tempo a little bit. But I mean, it all starts all of a sudden. Chamberlain just starts hitting the snares harder, right? Right. Yeah. You know, and then it's like at the end of each line, he just plays a little bit harder. Then he starts throwing in more cymbals, and then it's I, I mean, it, he's just a fucking masterful drummer. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I mean, fuck. And then that's the thing: it builds, it builds, it builds, and then also it's like too late. To yeah 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 you know and i mean and, and that's how it ends out like on the, that that mellow shit and it almost reminds me of um how people talk about isis as like the build-up band yeah you know, but sure. they never release yeah <laughs> you know? yeah exactly that's kind of what this is which i mean i would say this i blame these guys for my love for isis also i would say it, that's it's, fair it's all that same stuff man like and, and mm-hmm. this is where kind of that all started for me because i'd never heard anything like this what are some of your honorable mentions? All right. Honorable mentions. Let's go. So again, you know what? I do want to revisit some of these albums actually going back. I just think, you know, with the time constraints on, I was saying we're going to do this episode and then actually doing it. I had to just kind of go through things really fast. I do want to check out Machina one more. Did you check out Machina two on um, YouTube? No. There is some cool stuff on it. I just think there's like, over a dozen tracks again damn dude be selective you know what i mean but like i remember hearing some stuff on there that was cool but um i do like the first song on on the first machina everlasting or excuse me everlasting gaze i think that would have been a more interesting direction for them to take than a door and again i want to go back and maybe check out some stuff on a door because there was some in the latter half that i'm like okay uh it's them trying to do depeche mode the first two albums were done by Butch Vig, everything after that for from Melancholy up to Machina 2 was Flood 
who's an industrial and electronic music producer. He did stuff with Nine Inch Nails. He did stuff on the first Ministry album when they were a, a synth pop band. And he did um, he did a lot of Depeche Mode stuff. He did a lot of the big Depeche Mode records. So it only makes sense that they would a cover Depeche Mode, but also you know go that direction sort of. So you brought it up before Disarm. I actually kind of like because I heard that it was that thing of like I'm listening to 1053 as a as a kid. I don't have melancholy yet. I don't think I hear this song. No, I must have had it because that was my question. I was like, oh, I don't know. that This song isn't on Melancholy. You mean they have more music before Melancholy? I just didn't know, you know, until you go rooting through the CDs at Target and you're like, what the fuck? They have other albums? Um, And I like that. It's a nice little acoustic number. It's like one of the only ones. That's a thing, man. Coming into Melancholy, like it's such an eclectic album. I I was used to that. And then you go back on Gish and... um, Siamese dream for the most part it's all kind of streamlined and all kind of the same thing except those little moments like disarm and that's pretty much it really from what i can remember same album dude today it's a fucking catchy ass song that's what i love it's it's heavy but it does something different with heaviness you know what i mean it's a different emotion brought through with it it's cool uh i haven't analyzed the lyrics but apparently even though it sounds like a happy song apparently the lyrics are really sad uh, but Poison the Well does a sick cover that was originally meant for a, a Smashing Pumpkins tribute. Oh, and they really? ended up, yeah, but then they ended up going with a different cover. I think it was Soma. And that's cool. But like, I really like the Today one. And it's on YouTube. You can still find it. I still like that one better, but I like that song better in general. And then your favorite, Tonight Tonight. <laughs> Again, I, uh, I didn't discern between the heavy and the light songs. I just liked what I heard. And I remember the video when I was a little kid, it's that it's their take on uh, to the moon or whatever that famous French film is about the astronauts going to the moon in like a fucking bullet rocket from like the silent movie era. And it's like kind of got a cool symphonic sound. I could imagine if that's the first song you're hearing after Siamese dream and Gish being a little, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? But like, that's just a fun rock song alternative. I'll throw in Soma too. That was that almost made my list. Yeah. When they hit that fucking bow now now down now. I would give that I mean, an honorable mention too. That's one of the perfect like we're going from light to fucking heavy, like real fucking fast. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it goes light. It's all light. Then it goes lighter. Mm-hmm. Then it fucking hits with those guitars. It's like, God damn. It's just like a fucking guitar baseball bat just slapping you right across the fucking teeth man yeah well well phrased (laughs) um and that's about it for my honorable mention similar to you saying gish i would say most of melancholy because i think it gets a little inconsistent on that second disc the first disc whatever it is daylight to twilight or whatever they both have different names but the first yeah. disc, like back to front, I think is pretty solid. But then the fucking heavier songs on the second disc are way, way, way heavier. And then like the kind of foofy songs get a little too foofy and it starts getting a little inconsistent. But most of it, you know, I think is great. Having said all that, <laughs> what's your number five? <laughs> I was just thinking to myself, I was like, fuck, yeah, all my five are on melancholy. <laughs> I just that's that's my yeah that's that's again going back this will be the first time that's ever happened yeah this is that that's just my pumpkins you know what I mean closest we've ever gotten was the carcass episode yeah and again four from hard work 
yeah again if you're if you're a guy that likes adore or anything after more than than any of the first three albums let us know man because you must yeah. be like a unicorn or something <laughs> hey i'm a unicorn and i just happen to like everything oh, after yeah, 1995 dude. from the smashing pumpkins dude my number five is one of their bigger songs man fucking just starts off with a couple snare rolls and then fucking ah yes 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 okay yeah jimmy's building it up and then all of a sudden they hit that fucking groove with the bow cherub rock is a fucking awesome song dude right cool guitar tone it's one of the few like heavier songs of theirs that i like Mm -hmm. because i fell so in love with like all the ethereal trippy stuff right i mean it's just got this fucking awesome groove i love the way the guitars sound and one thing that um i kind of learned from learning this song on guitar was to take a power chord well you're not making a power you're just doing the octave Mm -hmm. i i never thought to do that you just mute that fucking second note right yeah yeah you that second note and now you're just playing this octave and it just sounds really fucking cool mm-hmm. in in certain um applications so when um when i was learning that i mean i i do that i, I fuck i did it all the time in d knots i did it all the time in difficult henry i fucking did it all the time in dementia i it's just a thing that i just kind of would do all the time it's all because of this song Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, it's just got this really cool fucking groove. I just recently found out that this is kind of a fuck you to all the people that kind of called them drama queens. Mm. I, I I looked it up on Wikipedia because I remember hearing something about it. And there was a term on Wikipedia that I'd never heard before. It was a careerist. Uh, I guess I've heard that term before. I'm just not sure of the context. I've, I've never fucking heard of that. People were basically like fucking kind of like clowning on them for being careerists Hmm. and i I mean i was just like what the fuck is that like i don't i don't even know what that means so i had to look it up and and basically it's 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 like a poser Hmm. you know it's it's let me look it up real quick extreme careerism is the propensity to pursue career advancement power and prestige through any positive or negative non-performance based activity so it's being used in a very specific derogatory way. Yes. It's saying you guys are fucking getting famous because of all your fucking drama behind the scenes and not your music. Ah, okay. Because there was some people calling these guys like the fucking alternative monkeys, huh. you know, and shit like that. Like people just did not buy into this band until they started, you know, until melancholy. This probably sounds like tonight, tonight. And it was, disarm it was it's the same thing as hair metal when when motley crew came out with home sweet home everybody's like oh my god they can write a real fucking song mm. you know poison when they did something more serious you know with every rose has its thorn even though they had plenty of serious songs before that it's just every rose has its thorn was acoustic it didn't have the loud guitars and the guitar, you know it's the same kind of deal mm. you know people didn't take this band very seriously at all at first interesting hmm. i never thought of it that way Again, coming into this all later, you know, my, my whole thing with the uh, drama came down to the heroin and depression stuff, which was probably early on, but full swing by the time I was into the thick of things. Hmm. Oh yeah. But yeah, I mean, regardless, awesome song again, I, I don't visit Gish almost at all. And I almost don't visit, um, Siamese dream a lot, but the more songs keep getting brought up, I was like, Oh yeah, that is pretty good too. Oh, this was so. This was the first video they they premiered. This video it was the first video for the new album. 
And I mean, it, when it first came out, I was kind of bummed. But I also, I mean, they have songs like this on Gish. It, in fact, to me, it's more like a, it's a more refined version of something like I Am One off of off of Gish, which this is the opening track on Siamese Dream. Gish opens with I Am One. So Gish doesn't open with the trippy, you know, um, ethereal tune. It actually opens up with two pretty, like, rather peppy, livelier tunes, a la Cherub Rock. Right. Which honestly, Siamese Dream does too. I mean, Cherub Rock and he go right into Quiet, which is, you know, like with that massive fuzz fucking sound, like, fucking forget about it. Number five for you, and I'm just going to scroll up to fucking Melancholy here. Yeah. Well, uh, so again, this was because probably it was played on the radio so much here was Muzzle off of Melancholy, dude. It's one of the more melodic songs. It's not one of the like completely softer songs. Again, there's this album is so dynamic. It's like right in between the really heavy ones and right in between like the Tonight Tonight's or the 1979s. It's just there's distortion, but it's not as aggro as some of the other songs. It's super melodic. I, the more I think about it, I don't look into the lyrics worth a shit because it was very much that kind of what the fuck are you talking about of the 90s that so many of the alternative bands had, right? But um, I'm sure there's something being said that's nice there. I catch little glimpses, but it reminds me of a really slow pop punk song. Yeah, I could see like that. The, like the progression of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, like it's just a cool little melodic song, man. I, I enjoy it. I'll probably listen to it right after this, actually. I, it's like, it's way further towards the end of the uh, first disc than I seem to recall. I thought it was somewhere in the middle. Yeah, it's um, like the 12th song. Yeah. The first album. I think it's because I... Come on. Yeah, I think it's because I confuse it with another song, too, that's kind of got a similar vibe. One awesome album. That's what I'm saying, too. <laughs> Again, it'd be harder for me to take a song off the first disc than it would the second. There's so many. You could, f- for my money, you could just make the whole second disc the heavy songs, man, because those heavy songs it's, kick uh, ass. It happens a lot with double albums. Right. You yeah. know, in fact, I, th- I think it happens most of the time with double albums where it's just like, man, mm-hmm. if, if you just really cut out some of these other songs and just made one really just amazing album. Like, I mean, we'll get there with Guns N' Roses, but I mean, it's like that. It's just, it's just the way it goes. It's, it would be really hard to make. Um, I mean, I'm sure there is. I mean, maybe, maybe that's a list for another time too, man. <laughs> Top five double albums. Oh yeah, that could you know, be a small it, list. It, it, <laughs> Right. I mean, there's not a ton of them in there, yeah. but there's a reason why it's, mm-hmm. it's really hard to do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, um, I, I, I don't think I've ever, a, I don't think I've ever listened to a Guns N' Roses album all the way through, but B I've d- obviously then never listened you only to, have to do it really with three. Dude, yeah. No one, we're not putting anything off Chinese democracy on there. Uh, no, just, no. Just, just so you know. Yeah. But also, um, just everything if you do, I'm gonna make you change it. <laughs> I have no objections there. That, that's I'll be like, no, yeah. no. <laughs> but the uh, I've always heard that use your illusion one and two would be better if you just took certain songs out and made one album. Like, yeah, you could you could make a, a fucking crazy good album. Like, it would be a masterpiece album if you took out certain songs. That's why I, I talk to some people and they're like, "Man, these shorter albums. I want a fucking full ass album." And I'm like, "Man, the older I get." the more I'm just like, nah, man, just take the best content there is and get rid of the rest. You know what I mean? Really, really, really make a precise album that hits on all cylinders. No stuff 
Stuffing? Is that what we're going with? Do you want to know filler. what? Filler. Take, take, take your filler songs and just make an EP separately. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all for that, Literally man. call it filler. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Smashing Pumpkins did it a few times, apparently. Fuck. Um, no shit. But yeah, yeah. man. Um, on that note, what's your number four? Rhinoceros. I've always called it rhinoceros because they spell it wrong, I think, right? I don't know. I that's think it's one of those... You, that's not how you spell rhinoceros. Let me have another look because I think it is. I think it's just one of those words you look at and you're like, is that how you spell that? I'm going to Google. Yeah. Holy mother of God. Yeah, yeah, that is how you spell it. Yeah. Man. It's just one of those words you look at and you're like, that's that's what it is? No, man. It's a fucking... That's the one standout song to me on Gish. Like that's the one you clearly are like, that's the one. Like just shimmering guitars everywhere, trippy as fuck, psychedelic as fuck, dude. I fried so hard to this fucking song. Actually, okay, let's just get to it. I've fucking fried to this album. This was one of my favorite albums to listen to when I was frying on acid. Is this? I would the probably one? say this and so, you know um, maybe. Uh, Frizzle Fry and fucking Sailing the Seas of Cheese by Primus. Whoa, okay. Smashing Pumpkins makes way more sense. Primus? <laughs> oh, boy. I, so that tells you what kind of brain I have. It's it, it was a little weird. But Gish was is my all-time favorite album to listen to while I was frying. So is Rhinoceros so, the one with the video where it's just them being really still in weird colors and close-ups or whatever? Yeah, I've if, never seen a video of anything off Gish. That might be the only song. I don't know. Let's have a look. In fact, I think the only three videos I've ever seen of theirs, other than the stuff off of Melancholy, was Cherub Rock Today and Disarm. Those are the only three Smashing Pumpkins videos I've seen, other than 1979, Bullet and Butterfly Wings, and Tonight Tonight. Right. But yeah, dude, I mean, this fucking song is just, I mean, hmm. think about being in your own head, just completely free it's one of those things where it's like you're it's it's when you think you're being still but you're actually just swaying back and forth you're moving but i mean it's got this little clean guitar the fucking like the melody is so fucking perfect dude like i just the chorus is just she knows she knows and she right yeah it's so fucking good. And then, down, pow, and on the fucking bit, doo doo Like, here comes the fucking distortion. Like, they're just masters at that. Like, just, they just know where to kick a song in. Oh, so it's like the second verse, man. I mean, it just kicks in. And it's not like the super fuzz distortion, like um, Siamese Dream, right? Mm-hmm. But it's still that bitey good mid heavy stuff but there's also clean guitar with it that they're playing really hard and i mean it's it go, you know it goes back to that fucking thing i did but it's all he- it's like it's more raucous right yeah i don't think it's any faster it's just there's more stuff going on like um and uh, i'm telling you a lot of it's jimmy he just adds to he makes things sound chaotic when they're not really that chaotic right it's actually pretty mellow but just because of what he plays it actually makes it heavier literally just from playing the drums different it's fucking so cool dude but i mean this is 
this was a song, I mean, whether I had my rhythm sticks playing those, man, I'd just be fucking tripping on this fucking song, you know, like frying my nuts off or just, you know what? I'm turning off the fucking lights and I'm just going to listen to the song loud as fuck and just be all swirling in my own fucking head, you know, and just coming up with all kinds of shit in my head. Party. It's, it's just one of these fucking songs, man, that just has always stayed with me. Don't have much more to say. I mean, I, I don't know if it's a very popular song i mean i'm looking at the plays i mean it's eight million six hundred fifty four thousand plays so i mean i would assume it's the most played on gish right maybe um let's see oh yeah but quite a ways actually wow yeah because i'm looking at the other videos there's one for siva or saiva however you say it and there's one for i am as one or i am one I might have to watch these later. I'm usually pretty good about watching videos for shit, but dude, there's just, let alone, there's just so much, you know, record output that fucking watching the videos. If you look at how many videos, there's more videos for the new album than any of their albums. Like, what the fuck, dude? (laughs) dude. So confusing. This is is kind of, I thought was pretty interesting is every song on this album has over a million plays. I buy that. Which means one of two things, either... They're a lot more popular than a lot of the other stuff we've been listening to. Or it could also mean that they've always been on Spotify since day one. And they haven't like really changed the, the files. But I mean, now I'm looking at Siamese Dreams, seeing some of those plays. Rid- I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, I'm, you know, that makes sense. Six I million mean, plays for these guys is nothing. Yeah, no, that, that, that's true. Yeah. I'm just trying to see what label... I just looked um, at Siamese Dreams like, damn, dude. Oh, and I just, yeah, and I just saw some stuff off of Melancholy. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, man. I just saw the, oh, okay. Gish was on Caroline. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Okay. So I was going to say, but like, you know, those bigger, it's not up to the fucking bands up to a certain degree. Bigger labels are going to have their shit day one if if they think it's beneficial. Oh, yeah, which, for sure. Which it is, right? <clears throat> yeah. Uh, number four for you. So, okay, story. For the longest time, I only listened to that first disc because that's all the songs I recognized and wanted to listen to on there. And because I was the small, weird, timid child that was afraid of everything, I didn't see a horror movie till I was 13 years old. And even then, it was edited for TV. Funny how long I've come since then. But, or how long away I've come since then. Wow. But, so the second disc, I, I finally give a go. And the first song on it is when shit starts getting even heavier. And that's where boys fear to tread. I think it's like the first three songs on that album, first two or three, like it's a very different vibe. It's very more aggro. Like, and I, I'm here for it. I totally forgot about this song. Yeah. I love this one. Yeah. Yeah, man. This this is one of the heavier ones. That's a sick riff, man. Yeah, dude, that's a massively sick riff. Honestly, dude, this, this riff reminds me of something that would be on bleach. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, man. Like, this is where the heavy stuff comes in. I'm, yeah, this I'm is bored. like one of the farthest they've been away from Bleach. Yeah. You know, it's like, whoa, dude, like where did this come from? Yeah, you yeah. um I I guess there's just a- have the part where it's like, oh yeah, dude. Down out down. Yeah, 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 yeah. These fucking Melvins. Yeah, and we nasty, dude. Now that I think about it, it's not got a very super super technical or traditional structure like what's the chorus even you know what i mean that might be the closest thing right like i don't know it's just a heavy dingy ass song man i did yeah, i think probably that i think that's probably what you would consider the chorus 
yeah like that's it i but it's an awesome song and then it goes into i think it's tales of scorched earth right after that i don't know why i'm speculating i could just look it up no, that's bodies bodies that's right yeah 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 let the body sit there. <laughs> let the body. <laughs> do I uh, do a drowning pool top five one day? Dude, fuck, man. Drowning pool only five. Yeah, if that. <laughs> Let's see. We'll do a top three. <laughs> you know, rest in peace. What's his face, Dave? Drowning pool like, episode. So we yeah. only have a top three today. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Which one's Tales of Scorched Earth? Okay, it's the one after 1979. Yeah. Again, the fucking heavy songs on this album fucking slap, dude, which will be discussed further pretty soon. Having said that, what's your number three? Hold on, I'm typing that out. God damn, I can't believe I forgot that fucking song. Ah, fucking awesome song. <laughs> God damn. Oh, I'm still man. listening to it. Hold on. I, I'm <laughs> Sorry, yeah. No, I, I'm laughing I, I because <laughs> I, I missed the end of Vincent's stream. And uh, so everybody's in the Discord, and I don't know what happened towards the end of that episode, but shit's getting weird. And Rob from Most Precious Blood joined the Discord, and he's like, "What the fuck is going on here? Dude, I love ban, this." Ban everybody! Oh my god, this all. is great! <laughs> everybody gets the ban hammer right now. Oh man, oh this this is fun. Sorry. Um, so you're number okay, three. Okay. So if you look up this song on the soundtrack, you get a different version that was really there from the original soundtrack. Then hmm. you look it up and it's actually on the Gish album at the very end, track 18 on the second disc of the reissue of Gish. Sorry, the deluxe edition. Hmm. But even then it says alternative guitar, alternate guitar solo. It's 817. The original version was 11 minutes long. I haven't checked it on YouTube. I do want to because there's definitely, as weird as this is going to sound, because I'll let you know why, it's different. But it's still really cool. It is Drowned from the single soundtrack, alternate. Oh, okay. And wait. That fucking. That song. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my god, I fucking love this song so hard. So fun fucking story. Bringing up acid again. <laughs> this is the acid episode. Oh uh, yeah. Until there's another I one mean, that comes. So you're about four minutes in, and, and, and I mean it hits this fucking huge feedback solo. That's why I mean like it's weird that I would be able to tell that it's different, but it is. There's there's certain things I remember. I was sitting in a fucking hot tub one time. Me and my buddy Beavis were just frying our fucking asses off. His 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 landlord like had a like they had a house, right? And his landlord lived at like the back part of the house. And he lived in the front. I was staying with I think I was staying there at the time. I mean, I stayed there off and on. But they had a, a hot tub with a gazebo over top of it. Um mm. like with the what do you call it? Like um not lattice, but it had like the the slats. Yeah, I got you. Like some um, of the ones you'd see at like the county fair or something like that, and one right, of the, with the, the exhibit halls. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it pyramids up, and then there's yep. So we're sitting in the fucking hot tub frying, and I mean, for one, all the bubbles look like Jello. Like it just it just looks like everything's shaking, right? Mm -hmm. Like Jello jiggling. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you. I grew up Mormon, so I mean, <laughs> we were all about Jello. That's interesting. Okay, <laughs> I've had I've had plenty of experience with Jello, my man. Fair enough. But yeah, it's just like jiggling, 
like uh, like all the bubbles right mm-hmm. but then clouds kind of parted it wasn't i don't know if it was a full moon or what but it was close to a full moon if not full very bright outside and it was reflecting the pattern of the fucking roof of the gazebo onto every fucking bubble in the hot tub and i could see every single one of them now if obviously you don't know your straight edge but everybody that's ever eaten acid knows most of it is just fucking light playing with you because your pupils dilate hardcore so your pupils open up way huge and all of a sudden now you could take your cigarette or uh well sparkler will do it because sparkler's too bright to to make a proper comparison say you had a cigarette or a not so bright flashlight right and you waved it across from left to right you would see two of them one would go by and then the other one would go by it's called a tracer or some people call them trailers and it's because your pupils so open i mean think about a camera lens right right a long exposure camera lens that's kind of what your eyes are doing so whenever you're frying on acid i don't know if mushrooms does it mushrooms is more of a body thing for me but whenever you're frying on acid like it's it was always um, any kind of anything you could do with lights, you know, was now I would not recommend fucking with a strobe light that that's a bit much that could get, I mean, that could make you sick. Right. You know, like I could cause seizures and shit like that, but like light tricks, you know what I mean? And so we're outside, it's very bright outside. And I mean, it was just, I mean, seeing all those fucking reflections while this song is playing, and we're at the feedback solo. So now I have feedback just earworming in my fucking head, right? And I mean, it was just, I don't believe in God, but it was a godlike experience, dude. It, I'll never forget that, dude. It blew my fucking mind. And honestly, like every time I've heard the song since then, it's just never quite lived up to that. Mm-hmm. But I do want to check YouTube. Uh, maybe I'll do that right now and just see, like, if they have the regular version there, there's a part where, man, that feedback's just screaming with, um, I mean, it's got effects on it, but it's a, it's a layered, um, it's a layered like screech. And I mean, it, it just burrows dude right into your fucking head. I could see where a lot of people probably wouldn't like it. You know, um, a lot of people might hear it and just be like, ah, it's just a bunch of fucking noise. I don't, see it like that you know like i i i've never seen this song like that Um, right yeah everything on here is that eight minute version so maybe that's just the way i don't know maybe they just got rid of the other version or something but i I could have swore it was like 11 minutes long Mm. um but the guitar solo even if the original is eight minutes i think the guitar solo is totally different so i might have to listen to some of these and see if the guitar solo is the same but like Again, it's not a regular guitar solo. It is all feedback. And, and um, if anything, maybe they pick a note and hold it. But I mean, it's, it's almost, it's 99% feedback. And it's just one of the coolest things I've ever fucking heard in my life. Good times. Uh, number three, good man. Number three. What do I always say? You never forget your first. You never forget your first. Zero. Fucking A, dude. Now, before Fear Factory came around, or before this term was even brought up, I should say, James E. Ha described this song as cyber metal, and that's a not bad description. Um, 
It's just got a cool driving rhythm. It's mid-paced. It's heavy. It has, there is a little something extra to the guitars. Uh, and if I'm not mistaken, this is just a fuck fake people song. Uh, especially if you look at some of the lyrics, they like, so here's the, here's the funny thing too. Uh, I, I know you've never seen the Simpsons. Uh, most of the other people looked pretty accurate to their depictions. When I actually saw what Jimmy or Billy Corgan looked like, I was like, what the fuck? Like his, I didn't think his was a very accurate depiction. I should say when I saw the zero video, but like, it's one of their staples. It's been for a long time. I, I'm guessing it's in the top five on Spotify. It's just Dude, those fucking a little harmonics in it. Like, yeah, fucking very cool. Yeah, it's a very cool awesome. riff, man. Like, yeah. I, I heard it in a movie, like I said, and I, I've always kind of enjoyed it, man. Like, I have zero problem with this song at all. Yeah. Even that little thing at the end, that banana, 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 banana. Yeah. No idea. Like, I mean, this is under three minutes. <laughs> yeah. That makes really sense. Short tune. <laughs> that that makes sense in hindsight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, what an introduction, man. And I, I would have to, again, assume much like people hearing death metal for the first time because Ace Ventura had Cannibal Corpse. I'd have to assume this was, I, obviously they were a big band by this point, but a lot of people around my age range or even people watching reruns and syndication years upon years later, that might've been their first exposure. And it's a hell of a song to be first exposed by. You know what I mean? So fucking A. It's funny to say zero is my number three. Number wordplay. <laughs> uh, how about you? Your number two. My number two is Mayonnaise off of Siamese Dream. Trying it's, to remember which one that is. So it's got this little intro. It's starting to build up. Um, it's got this weird little like clean... Uh, like a little it's almost like a little solo thing but it's like they're playing it above the like they're playing it um on the headstock or something it's really weird oh wait 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 is this the she knows song or whatever no fuck what is it you ever do that where like it's got the fucking down and then it hits the big chord like i mean a huge fucking it's right after trying to think of like the chorus part so it's not the she knows it's the um i'm really bad at this right now. well so that's what i was gonna say it's like the opposite problem i have where it's like oh there's that one song what what's it called uh okay okay gotcha 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 yeah okay yep 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 got it but it, with this album and probably the I one before it now i know but either way yeah like but, now i know where our secret goes or something like that something but it's like here's my issue like i'm trying to describe the music and you only know it by the by the lyrics yeah it's it's like, that's oh, the problem it's it's like <laughs> it usually i'm like fuck are there, that's that one song well what's the name uh and in this instance it's like i know all the names i just can't remember which song they go with you know what i mean yeah there's a Goofy. part where it dies down it goes to like the acoustic mm -hmm. and it builds up and he says something like ah I just want to be. Yeah, yeah. Where I am. And it has a little uh, feedback in there. It does a little ew, you know, in between the. the yeah, chords. yeah, yeah, yeah. Sick, dude. Oh yeah, no, that's a great use it's of that. This added little thing that's like, 
like I said, it's just perfectionist type stuff. But I mean, that fucking last, I guess, chorus? No, probably last bridge where it just builds huge. Like, I'm not being the chorus. It's it's just, it's fucking perfect. I've, this has been my favorite for like, like my second for like so fucking long. Mm. It's, it's just the chords. Like, it's not super riffy. Like, that's why I have a hard time like Beavis about heading the song because it's not super riffy. It's just these huge fucking chords and they hang for like quite a while. So, right. You just got to check it out. It's track nine on fucking Siamese Dreams called Mayonnaise. Definitely fucking check it out. No cool story with it. <laughs> it's just a good song i mean yeah. it's something i can listen to when i'm like feeling like fucking uh i don't know like i mean whenever i was splitting up with the things like my girlfriend before i moved here you know and if you if you've ever been in a relationship and like you kind of feel like you lost a little bit of yourself or you're not being yourself or you're not allowed to be yourself you listen to the song and you hit that part that's just i just want to be me like i mean fuck mm-hmm. dude it's fucking glorious yeah that's a good way to put it man i dig it number two for you all right so over time i find myself listening to this more and more than my number one almost to the point where i'm like fuck is this my new number one so it could be one day man but like is it xyu yes yes it is <laughs> good yes. man wow, just, now i don't know what your number one is though <laughs> it's not it's I not a big this thing might be this is one of them yeah the, it's damn close dude this is like possibly their most aggressive song they're screaming on here they get crazy it's mostly done on one string at a time it's like it's almost like grunge gent or alternative gent before yeah Yeah, you know what i mean like it's heavy it's pissed it sounds like he's this is directed at, at somebody specific especially when i was trying to get more into that second disc as a kid like the deeper you get into it yeah man it's a heavy ass song Dude, and it's not. Of, have you ever heard? Have you ever heard "Strut" by fucking Bob Seger? I think so. Down, 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 down. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's kind of yeah. my vibe. I'm getting off of this shit. But that's that thing. Like they can mix like something like classic rock sound mm-hmm. with a detuned weird sound on a guitar. And then, like, throw on some fucking cool fucking fuzz distortion, you know, and then have Chamberlain fucking just doing whatever the fuck he wants to do behind it. And it just all works. Yeah. That's awesome. Like, and they're like, so good at that shit. Yeah. And whereas a lot of their stuff, it's heavy, but it's melodic or it's ethereal or it's very open. This is them heavy and pissed. And they're Dude, pretty damn good at it. Super sludgy too. I mean, yeah, I hate god shit. Yeah, they let that go for a while. Over there too. And yeah. unlike your last fucking song, this shit's seven oh seven. That is, yeah, that's that's. <laughs> they never kept it very consistent with the song lengths on this record, which is part of the you know eclectic nature of it. I dug that. Uh, but yeah, man, if you're looking for the heavier, because I always hear so many people fucking men pumpkins aren't that heavy, and they're always thinking of 1979. They're thinking of whatever disarm maybe. You show them this, probably. You show them a lot of things, yeah, but you show them this. Today's the yeah. greatest yeah, again, day I've ever known. I can't speak for after this very much, but like, <laughs> you want to talk about peak heavy pumpkins, dude? This is, oh, yeah, but they got like Bullet with Butterfly Wings and maybe a couple yeah. other songs. What else? You show them the heaviest songs on the second disc, this being probably the prime candidate dude this one that's a thing man if they pursued not that they would they they pursued what they were going to pursue 
case is done. But if they pursued something like this more, man, think of how much more attention they would still probably have. Oh yeah, easily. I so eh, okay. I'm gonna save that comment for the next song, actually. But yeah, man, fucking. If you're looking at he- pumpkins at their heaviest, it's somewhere in this ballpark on the second disc. This song, I'm saying in particular, man. I don't even remember what he's screaming, but it's something about in the eyes of a jackal or something, something like it's like a mosh call almost like, like the whole song just stops and he screams and then it kicks right back into it and then it gets faster and then it gets slower and then it just kind of fades. It's fucking sick. Check this one out, folks. It is a deeper cut. It's an actual legitimate deeper cut, Uh, but it's one of the cooler ones, man. So check that out. Well, it's about that time. What is your number one? Snail from Gish. It's got this little. uh, It's like a whole, I don't know, like maybe 30 second long, like really mellow intro. It's just Mm -hmm. him singing. Then there's like a little guitar, kind of like a blues call and response, like deal or whatever. Right. You know, and then it, it starts to strum a bit. And everything swells in, like fades in. And then I think it, I mean, it's mostly just like what, I mean, they're hitting like, kind of like the rhythm guitar is like hitting just one note, but like the, it's got this little lead line, like a do, 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 do. First line of the word is flower. If that doesn't give you a hint of the hippy dippy, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, at that 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 would have been their peak, right? It was was right. off of those first two albums. I mean, it's, it's kind prevalent. of. I mean, I would I would say if if you ever thought that this was kind of like hippie stuff, I mean, this is the song. Yeah, but it's just the way the the notes flow over each other because I mean, even the bass is like doing the do 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 do. And it's just parts of it are just um they're not clashing, but they're they're mixing. It's 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 undertones and overtones of different things mixing with that one chord that's hanging through the whole thing. And it it's um uh, very call it it's very textured. Right, yeah. Um, Layered. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm pretty sure he says when you wake up you're awake, which no shit. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like it. But it says, like, throwing your life away. Like, I mean, it's, fuck, dude. It's, it makes me smile when I listen to it. It reminds me of fucking sun barreling through the window, like, and, and you're still in bed, you know, and, like, you're just kind of waking up without your alarm. Mm-hmm. And you don't have anything to do, so you don't actually have to wake up. Right, yeah. You know, and your bed's super comfy and fucking, like, that's kind of what it reminds me of. Uh, Hey, you know? start I the mean, day kind of song. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of, yeah. But then, you know, it drops down in this acoustic bit in the middle. Again, Jimmy holding it down. But then it, I mean, it hits another chorus. Um, and then it starts to build up, right? Right. So it hits this fucking like a... So it's starting to build. And he's like, flowers, stay the hour. Like doing his Corgan fucking shit right and then there's a the little solo but i mean as the solo's going on 
all of a sudden, dude, Jimmy just hits this fucking snare roll and it's just on, dude. Like Jimmy just starts fucking going crazy. Like it's so fucking cool. And it's a lot of snare rolls. But I mean, you don't need a shitload of toms to do a fucking good fill. Mm-hmm. But it's just like just this big swell of everything. You know what I mean? And the, the whole thing is like, again, it's it's same thing where he's making it super chaotic but nothing's really happening i mean they're just still playing the same thing i don't even think it speeds up there's like there's no extra distortion they don't start playing it faster they're just still droning on the billy isn't singing any crazier right it's just the drums are just going fucking nuts behind it and then it hits the fucking you know that that backwards chord coming down you know and then fades out it's fucking perfect fucking song dude fucking a that's a pretty good send up on that one i would say that's (laughs) fucking a mine's gonna be nowhere near as elaborate (laughs) it sounds cool man all right i just did it i just gotta tell you what song it is Jason's trying to fancy talk. Here we hey, go. it works, man. Fuck it. There's that's something cool. I like it. Let's what see. is Delo's number one smashing pumpkins jam? Number or track three, first disc. Okay. Hey, actually, I just realized I have the names. So the first disc is Dawn to Dusk, and the second is Twilight to Starlight. I was totally mixing them up in my head. That's why I was getting confused. So track three, Dawn to Dusk, disc one. Between Tonight, Tonight, and Zero. Jelly Belly. It's one of their... Shit. Yeah. Again, it's heavier, but it's not like super aggro. And especially coming right off the back of Tonight, Tonight, just like, whoa. And those guitars are just really, 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 really present. And it is... Whereas XYU was all mostly done on one string at a time, this one's like almost all power chords. And I love it for that, dude. Lots of layers. Lots and lots of layers. You can hear where all the fucking... Whatever it was, like 30 layers of tracks that was so new at the time was kind of going in very busy on it too i like that yeah well again what is he talking about i don't know man it just sounds cool i like lyrics but Uh, i'm not like a name dude he's talking about jelly beans yeah that's true belly make sure you don't get the popcorn one actually i like the popcorn (laughs) one fuck it i don't care that sounds disgusting you never had popcorn Um, jelly beans i don't like jelly beans dude so we're disgusting but that sounds even worse i'll also tell you much like dude yeah, well, I was going to say, that's the other thing. They don't taste like popcorn. They taste like popcorn jelly beans. You know what I mean? Weird. Fucking, it's one of those. It's like banana flavoring. A lot of shit doesn't actually taste like banana. It tastes like banana flavoring. I don't know what that is. Yeah. Um, Man, this song like never really like lets up. No, like the whole time. That's probably why I like it the most. It's Like I'm still listening to it. It's just constantly moving. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a mover and a shaker, dude. Three minutes ends in <laughs> feedback. Crazy. Yeah. There is a, uh, I think that's what I was thinking of. There's a demo version of this in the bonus track stuff where you, where you can see where they're going with it. Just listen to the regular version. It's it's a lot better. Like <laughs> I think that's safe to say about most things, dude. That's true. Yeah, but like, I, I wish this song was in the conversation more, dude. I could understand why others were put before it as far as, you know, single-worthy stuff, but it's catchy. It's not like aggressive-aggressive. It's, um, it's short-er for sure you wouldn't need to do much with it like it's just a fun ass song it's heavy it's the one i put on repeat the most maybe if xyu wasn't so long that might be another factor right there but like dude this song rips 
I'm I'm all for it, dude. I wish they I know they play it live every once in a while, so it's not like one of the most obscure songs. Uh I just wish it got right. more due. But like fuck it, dude. Jelly Belly. Sign me up, dude. <laughs> wow. On that note. On their top ten, they definitely have a song called Ramona. That is yeah, I saw that. I was like, what? That, I mean, that doesn't it doesn't even have a million plays. It's probably just the most played new thing that they have. I was gonna say that's on the new one, right? Because I definitely remember seeing right, that, like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah, so we'll start from number nine. We got the landslide right. cover. Okay. 32 million plays. Oh, never mind. Drown, but not the alternate guitar solo. So the four-minute version with no right. guitar. Like, I think I don't even know if there's any guitar solo on it. It has 20 million. Landslide cover has 32 million. Then Zero has 47 million. And then Today has roughly 67 million. Cherub Rock has 97 million. Wow. Disarm has 100 million, 0.8. Tonight Tonight has 108 million. Bullet with Butterfly Wings has 158.6 million. And 1979 has 263 million. How about those That's jumps, intense, man? man? Oh, yeah, most man. definitely. <laughs> Fucking man. Speaking of, have you ever heard the version of Bullet with Butterfly Wings? I mean, I think uh, Skin Lab did it, right? Yeah, yep, sure did. Uh, cool cover. Yep. There's also this girl that does it, Karen O. And it's like one of those <sighs> new. She's from the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just know it's from the. I saw it in the trailer for that TV show, Hannah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's one of those like, real minimal, a little bit of piano in there is all. Right. Um, very fucking cool. I also found this thing called, um, shit, dude, what's it called? Something lullabies, right? Uh, Let me try and find it real quick. Karen O is from Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. Is, yep. I was like, I knew that sounded familiar. Yeah. Okay, dude, check this out. So I also found this thing called Twinkle Twinkle Little Rockstar. It's just the, like. All it is is like lullaby version of van halen oh yeah lullaby versions of falling in reverse yeah lullaby versions of rod stewart that's uh um, versions of juice world yeah that's all they uh, had of tool for the longest time because tool wouldn't yeah let their yeah. shit you know that and the orchestral versions or Dude, lullaby versions of pitbull Dude, uh, okay. if you play that for your kid you hate your kid yeah stop it that's punishment Just put it up for adoption just yeah any any firehouse motionless and white van morrison five finger death punch sabaton of all things but they also have one of smashing pumpkins i found this because i was looking for different versions of drown and just happened upon lullaby versions of all kinds of shit dude it's crazy yeah so if you're into that shit check it out they have a smashing pumpkins one dude and i listened to some of it pretty weird yeah that i could see that transposing really strangely uh (laughs) I remember, I remember that being a thing when like iTunes first popped up like 16 years ago, maybe a little after that. I think I fucking post Malone on this shit, man. They I had veil. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> dude, yeah. That's it's been a thing for so long that they probably do that for anything. Oh um, my god! I remember that's the only way you could hear ACDC songs was on cruising digital. classics, dude. And I mean, it's got fucking La La means I love you. Um, what the fuck? 18 with a bullet, Oye Como Va, Lowrider, and more bounce to the ounce. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Unreal, dude. It's a and good word for thing, it. Man, they're probably getting fucking paid big time off. Oh, sh- shit. Yeah. It's all the more. Eh. 
get on a tangent about that. So yeah, the the soundtrack stuff I was going to talk about was they did a song on the Lost Highway soundtrack, which was overseen by Trent Reznor called um i and i remember them playing that on 91x a lot back when it first came out huh. and so that and it's all it's same deal it's all electronic so you could kind of see that's where they were going with the door and then also the following summer was uh batman and robin everybody's favorite and uh smashing pumpkins was on that soundtrack twice with the uh the end is the beginning is the end and the beginning is the end is the beginning at the very end Oof, that was weird to think about shit i just realized that's why they're on the the first and last song on that. And uh, even though Apparently Batman and Robin... Christmas, they do they have a Christmas song called Christmas Time. Hmm. Interesting. Well, that's our shit on Smashing Pumpkins. Like, we don't love everything, but we love the stuff we do. And at the end of the day, I think that's what's most important, right? So, Right. Yeah. Also, uh, I think it was last year at Download, they did a cover of Snowblind by Backslab... Black Slabbeth. God damn it. It's it's getting late here, folks. Dude, I need to do an album just called Black Slabbeth. Yeah. It's oh all slam versions God. of uh Yeah, dude. Yeah, there you go. Slam versions of Black Sabbath songs. Fucking A, man. But um yeah, they did a cover of uh Snowblind by Black Sabbath uh with Mirker, you know, the the um the Norwegian black metal artist, folk black metal uh, yeah, artist. Yeah. Yeah, they did a, they did a live rendition of uh Snowblind with her at download last year. Good on them. Yeah. So let us know what your favorite pumpkin stuff is. It, we're assuming, I, I'm assuming it's any of the first three albums because that's where okay, most of the attention quick. goes. Shoot. So I was cruising through their, also their peers on. They're okay. in a fucking album called Motivation Music. Guess what song is on there? Ooh, I can't ask too many questions. That's the thing. <laughs> is it something right by five? Tonight. Okay, well, what, what's the other? Are what are the other songs? Are you motivating to try and sleep? Oh, here's a weird one. Self Esteem by The Offspring is on there. So it's like, hey, we know you were like in elementary in the 90s, like I was. Here's the shit you would have been listening to as you were trying to go to sleep as a kid or something. I don't know. That's, that's my takeaway from by that. Little River Band? Uh, maybe what not. Are you okay. To get motivated. <laughs> Maybe it's a here's songs we know that you've heard on top God, forty radio. Man, that's got to be a typo. It's that's interesting um, to say, to say the least. Weird. Yeah. Anyway, so again, let us know what carry, your favorite stuff is because we're outro. well. Let us know what your favorite stuff is. We're we're curious. We like to hear what everybody's favorite stuff is. Uh, regardless, hit us up on all the socials. I'm at yes, it is I David everywhere. Hit Jason up, Metalist Pod, pod or at Twitter. <laughs> Excuse me. Let's do that again. Metalist Pod on Twitter, Metalist Podcast everywhere else. Like, rate, review, subscribe, tell all your friends, hit us up. We love talking to you. Until next time, folks, eat your veggies. Fuck your prayers. Talk to you then. Later.